Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. going on guys thanks for tuning in to another episode of the red and gold standard podcast my name is zach hernandez and as always i'm joined by my co-host matt Wellen and our guy mike andrews of nothing but niners we got a hell of a show planned for you guys this evening shortly before coming on here if news broke 49ers wide receiver Debo sammy has signed his extension before we get into all of that matt i'm gonna throw it to you how you doing this evening I'm doing great, Zach. Uh, made some fillets tonight. Uh, just chilling on a Sunday for once, you know. Working in the hospital, it's a regular schedule, so it gets a little weird at times. But I had a weekend off, which has been really nice. So I can't complain. All right. I love it. Uh, Mike, how you doing over there? I know it's late for you. I am well, man. I'm actually pleasantly surprised, man. I think this is the first show that I've joined you guys in the last month and a half where Matt isn't coming from a baseball game. Uh, so we are in for a treat here. My man is fresh. He's warmed up, ready to run, man. He's getting the juices flowing right now. Uh, I had family over. We, we do this thing in my family, Sunday fun day. Oh, do we lose oh. Mike? Uh, every other mom. Oh, there you guys go. got me? Can you hear yeah, me? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, there we go. Okay. We get, You're we a little patchy. Man. All right. My mom. All right. I'll, I'll change. I'll change. Um, my Wi-Fi after this one. Um, but okay. we get together with my mom for Sunday fun day. Uh, so I had my mom over. I had my my brother-in-law. Kids. Yep. I think we we're losing you, Mike. Going. Switch it over. Switch it over. <laughs> All right. Switch it over. To Mike's All point, right. though, it's a baseball sandwich for me. I went to the game last night, and I'm going to the game tomorrow night. So you guys get me tonight. All right. Yeah, we would have gone on a little earlier. I had to work. Um, unfortunately, weekend we have a softball tournament for Make-A-Wish Charity. That's all taken care of. All the banners are hung up at the softball field. So without further ado, while Mike's getting his camera. Oh, he's back. The contract. Yeah, you look good. Sound good. Gotcha. Uh, details. Three-year extension worth $73.5 million with $58.1 million guaranteed per rap sheet, obviously, of NFL Network. Matt, I haven't had a chance to get into this, but you were yeah. telling me shortly before going on, the numbers are a little misleading, right? It's different. Yeah, so it's it's 71.55 with with some incentives that will take it up another $2 million. It's essentially 73.5, 58.1 guaranteed. 
it's about in line with what the other wide receivers got, right? AJ Brown got four for 100. Um, Metcalf got three similar numbers. I think Metcalf got a hundred thousand more guaranteed, but um, yeah, it's all similar. And I know 49ers nation is happy. I know everybody's like super excited about it. The faithful, whatever, whatever, but I don't think Debo Samuel was faithful and I might forgive, but I won't forget. And while I'm glad that Debo is re-signing, I think it's great. He makes this team better. What was all this offseason bullshit about for you to get the same numbers that the other two wide receivers with your agent got? They stooged you out, dude. They used you as the leverage to get them the money. They used you as the stool pigeon. You acted like a fool. You acted like a child. And in the end, you could have got the same thing without all that noise. So, I mean... It's great that he's here, but they, they, I mean, it didn't need to be all about what it was about because the 49ers pay players. They once again prove that they pay players. What was the offseason noise about? With all the, I'm not going to be here. Guess what? You're still here, brother. Can I, can I, can I give a little pushback there? Sure. He wasn't the only one that acted a fool of those, of the four. There were four of them. There were four of them, right? It was Terry McLaurin, A.J. Brown, D, uh, D.K. Metcalf, and Debo. Yeah. Right? One guy got traded, and the other the other two guys, and then Debo. Like, he wasn't the only one that removed things from his profile and stuff like that. I think that was all driven by the agent. I think well, that Debo okay. would have fallen. So, did the other wide receivers move, remove stuff from their profile, or was that Kyler Murray who also – had social media bully a team into taking the you're too lazy to know the playbook clause out of his contract. Cause if you're comparing him to Kyler Murray, that's not good company. No, no, to no, 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 no. Talking about, I'm only talking about the four receivers. Now to the Kyler Murray point, I, I don't agree with him. I don't, I don't agree with them taking it out, but it was BS to that leap. I mean, I don't that, think they that should have publicized that. Yeah. That should not have got out there. That was, that was a really, really low blow to try to put the team here and right down here. I, then, I didn't agree with that. But then at the same time, I also want to see the same pushback that people shit on Baker Mayfield for playing, what was it, like Call of Duty or Halo or whatever the fuck it was, right? Because he got shit on for that too, where they were like, oh, well, he didn't do this, he didn't do that because he was playing Halo with people or like somebody put out a tweet and then that speaks back. Listen, it's it's a new generation. It's not the generation that we came from. Um, there's outside interest. People got Twitch channels. People got YouTube channels. People got this and that. If you're going to do for one, you got to do for all. And that's why I'm going to come down on Debo because you were the loudest. You were the most adamant. I want out of here. And you were the one that was most cryptic about it too. When people were like, hey, what do you want, dude? And you were just like, I'll let people speculate on what they speculate on. They don't know this and this and that. I have, you know, he purposefully was obfuscating the situation that he could have been clear on. And he made the most noise. And yes, there were other people making noise, but nobody remembers the third loudest crier in a group of babies. Everyone remembers the one screaming at the top of their lungs. All right. And Debo's a shrieker at this point. And it's, I'm glad that he's back in, but it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of time. I do like the terms of the deal though. I really do like the terms of the deal. Three years, age 29, like that's a great contract for the 49ers. I mean, I don't, it's probably going to be backloaded um, just because of the way the cap situation is. Also, 
Shout out to all the Jimmy stands who are eating humble pie today when they said we can't extend Debo if Jimmy's still on the roster because they definitely did. So uh, how's that one taste, fellas? Yeah. But for me, Go I'm ahead. glad he's back. I just think that let's take it in perspective. Let's see what his role is with the team. Let's see if he comes in motivated to do what he needs to do and let's get past the noise. But don't forget what happened to lead to this point and that it was a little unnecessary when you consider that he got the same deal that the other wide receivers got. Yep. Um, there's a couple of things I want to touch on, but I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Matt. Um, Charles Hayes, Mike and I, I know Matt, all three of us actually have discussed this, where the moment you like that Cowboys jersey swap, that was kind of a step too far. And it's like, that was unnecessary. You didn't need to do that. So I agree with you. And I actually was jokingly telling my girl before I hopped on here, some things are unforgivable. And the, him liking that jersey swap very well could be one of those to a lot of fans. The second thing I wanted to touch on is, does this kind of speak to John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan's confidence and what they're building here? Because there was a point where it was being reported that this contract was beyond repair. There was nothing, no dollar amount, nothing that could be said by their end to fix the situation and mend it. And here we are sitting here and it's mended. The 49ers were able to sign Debo to a three-year extension. He got roughly around the same money as the other three receivers does this kind of speak to how they're going, how they handle things and their confidence in their own system, I guess? I think this speaks to the fact that the team doesn't leak. And we know that the team doesn't leak. And when Cowherd and Silver go on and say, Trey's got arm fatigue, Trey's got arm fatigue, and the players are making jokes about it. And then it comes out, Kyler Murray's going to take Monday off to rest his arm, right? Like, it's all bullshit, man. Nobody knows anything about this team. When they say it's beyond repair, consider the sources. Consider what's going on. It was a lot of noise. It was much to do about nothing. I think the worst part with all of this is how people forget the 49ers take care of their own, right? You look at what they did for tight ends, George Kittle. You look what they did for left tackle, Trent Williams. You look at what they did for, yeah. You look at what they did for uh, linebacker, Fred, Fred Warner. They go out and they find the 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 corner that they think is the best match for them and look at what they paid him. He's a top 10 paid corner, right? Like they take care of their guys. Debo, you didn't have to put on this clown show to get this money. You know what I'm saying? So all the antics and all that shit, it was all unnecessary. If you listen to what Kyle and John were saying at the end of last year, when the time to negotiate, we'll do what we have to do to keep the players that we want to keep. I can only think of two guys that didn't get the deals that we thought they were going to get. And, we understand why they moved on from both of those guys. So, I mean, Debo didn't have to do this. Uh, and like you guys said, and I've, I've been a big proponent of that, um, that Cowboys thing was a little over the line. But I will be honest with you guys. I'm happy he's here for a young quarterback getting his first season as a starter. So, uh, I, I, you know, I'm not going to say water under the bridge. I told you guys, like, I'll say good game and all that stuff. But that's kind of where it stops for me. Uh, sometimes you got to tell your agent, hey, I don't think that's necessary. And he just didn't really know what to do. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And it's a similar situation that I have with Raheem Mostert. Listen, I can hope that you do well for the team. I can appreciate that you're on the team. But as like, you're not going to be in my pantheon of favorite 49ers. You're not going to be that guy. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with Debo not being that guy. 
because I mean, as we'll talk about in training camp, I, it's looking like Brandon Ayuk might be the guy, and I'm I'm cool with that too. Um, real quick, I just want to address this because it's you know we're just here, or whatever. Uh, Melissa commented, uh, "Am I the only one that believes Mo Hurst won't make the 53? He won't. He tore his bicep. He's going to go on IR for the year, so he won't count against the 53." Um, but yeah, really like fortunate. It is unfortunate. Um, somebody was like, oh, they're practicing too hard too early. I'm like, dude, they're in shorts and shells. You tore your bicep. That's a freak injury, dude. Like, there's nothing you can do about that. And then the Armstead thing, which we'll talk about too, they clash knees, I guess. That happens too. Like, there's nothing that you can do to prevent those type of things, right? It's not like they're out there going full bore, hitting each other as hard as they can, you know, and you got like six dudes with a concussion or whatever. Like, it's shorts and shells. Like, any injuries during those periods – those are just kind of freak things that are going to happen for every NFL team. But back to the Debo thing, I agree with Mike. It, it, you know, I won't say that it's water under the bridge, but it's like you do, you go out, you do your job. That's fine. But I'm going to have my eye on you. And if you're out of shape or you're not hustling or whatever, whatever, I'm not going to be as willing to give you the benefit of the doubt as I would for other players who are about the team. Because with the amount of noise that you made, I know I know in my mind, and this might not be true, but in my perception, it's Debo first, 49ers second, which is fine. But, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Did you have something to add to that, Mike? I don't, I don't get the I'm relieved that Hurst won't make the 53. I don't – did I miss something? Is he a bad player or – what did what exactly did, did that mean? The comments. They're uh, relieved. Was relieved. I thought you said Melissa said she was relieved. I, maybe I was wrong. No, no, no. She said she doesn't think. Am I the only one who doesn't think that Mo Hurst will make the fifty three? And I was saying he's going to go on IR, so he won't make the fifty three. All right. I'm sorry. I I guess I yeah. He he control. tore his bicep, so he's not gonna he's not gonna make it. Oh, dude, I totally tagged uh, Mike Silver in a tweet and 49ers throwbacks like, be careful, he's going to block you. I was like, joke's on him. He blocked me a long time ago. <laughs> he blocks everyone. He really he does block everyone. everyone. Yep. Um, and who is his source, by the way? We found out that Grant Cohn apparently is, is Colin Cowherd's source. That he watches, he, watches, he watches Grant Cohn videos. Which is hilarious because if you guys remember, I forget when, but sometime two, two years ago, I forget what the story was, but when, maybe it was the first time Coward ever heard of Grant Cohn, but it was hilarious because I tweeted it out. He, he said, said on he well, that not only that, but he said it like he was his worst enemy. I'll I'll try and find the clips on it, but he goes, Grant, and he looked at the camera, Con out of Santa Santa Clara Press Democrat or whatever he was at. Um yeah. that shit was hilarious. But touching back on the 49ers offense, I'm going to essentially refer to Trey Lance as a rookie because in all other assets other than the fact that he was here last year he is a rookie is this the best yeah is this the best situation you guys would say a rookie has stepped into roster wise coaching wise I'm trying to think of a better better situation I mean since since Patrick Mahomes yeah but he's still sad a whole I mean I guess we could refer to that the same way right it's a similar situation right yeah, Trey Lance played some his rookie year. Patrick Mahomes played the last game of his rookie year. It's a similar situation. You're talking about these teams or these these quarterbacks going into their second year, truly like their rookie year on the field, are on playoff teams. Like that's that's legit. Yeah. 
I'm really excited to see w- what can happen. We've we've been hearing the reports at a training camp that the defense is a step ab- above the offense. And we've seen guys like Kroc, Richard Sherman come out and say that's not anything new. And when it comes to training camp, defenses are usually together a lot sooner than offenses because there's a lot less pieces towards it, I guess you could say. And it's- the 49ers without their top receiver – now they're going to get him in there. I'm really yeah. excited to see how that impacts. Everything. Without top receiver, you're talking about offensive line. I, I know what people are talking about. Offensive line, again, in in shorts and, and shells. And so you're talking about, like, you know, you can't do the little offensive line moves you really want to do. Like, nobody's going to be able to, like, sneak in a hold. Nobody's going to be able to do this. Um, it's Yeah, Mike, you were right. <laughs> okay. I mean, listen, I don't want to say I'm relieved. Some list says I'm relieved. I didn't want him over Kevin Givens, Kerry Hyder Jr., Jordan Willis. I was really worried that the healthy guys lose a spot to Mo. First of all, the guys that you're describing, especially Kerry Hyder and Jordan Willis, those are edge guys. They're not interior guys like Mo Hurst is. Um, second of all, I don't care what the name on the – again, I don't care what the name on the back of the jersey is. I care about this right here. You know what I'm saying? Like, whoever's going to be the best player for the team, that's what I care about. I know people get attached to the players, but I like I don't give a shit who the player is as long as the team is better for it. So I guess like I don't know. It, it is what it is. Like it's an unfortunate injury. Um, but whoever's gonna be the best for the team. Um, going back to what we're talking about with with Trey Lance essentially being a rookie, good spot, defense being ahead of the offense. I'm pretty sure that defense is always ahead of the offense. Um, you talk about again. Interior O-line and shorts and shells. You're talking about, um, you know, Kyle is doing baby install, right? A little bit of install at a time. I got to do this chunk of plays. I got to do this chunk of plays. We got a limited amount of time. Defense is, I mean, I hate to say it. I think a lot of people would back me up on this. In terms of defensive scheme, schemes for defense is much more simplistic, right? You run your base defense, you run your coverages based off of how the offensive lines, you run your, you know, your rush based off of how the, you know, whatever your whatever it is. It's more reactionary. You're reacting to what the offense comes out and gives you the look for. When you're trying to plan your attack to beat defensive looks, that's when the complication comes in. That's when you need a little bit more finesse. That's when you need a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Also remember that there's no refereeing in camp like 11 on 11s nobody's being like a referee where they're like pi 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 you know it's just all you're running drills right and you know i see a lot of people who are like see this is why we need jimmy this is this and this and that bro it's day three that no pads have even been on y'all gotta y'all gotta relax but i'm not surprised that the defense is ahead of the offense at this point to be honest and it's, it's kind of just what you said it explains why defense travels why, you know, there's the saying where regardless of where you're going, you can count on your defense, maybe not necessarily your offense, but defense is the same wherever you play. By the way, real quick, real quick before I, I, I'm going to let you jump in too, Mike, but I just want to say real quick too, Trey Lance and this offense are not going to be facing a defense as good as the 49ers defense every single week, right? This is an iron sharpens iron situation where Trey gets the benefit of going against this stacked defense, Right. Defensive line is stacked. Now we get Charizard Ward in here. And it, by all accounts, Talano Hufanga's taking a step up. And Emmanuel Mosley's taking a step up so far. And everybody's looking like this. And everybody's looking like that. 
this is a defense that has potential to be top five. And so when your offense is going against a top five defense, there's going to be some growing pains, especially when you're transitioning your offensive line, transitioning your quarterback, don't have your top wide receiver. I'm not surprised that the defense is taking advantage so far. The fact that they have, I think it's 10 interceptions and three 11 on 11 camp drills so far, pretty outstanding. And it actually makes me excited for the defense. I'm not pessimistic about the offense. I'm actually really excited for the defense because the one area where this defense has needed to improve was turnovers was forcing turnovers. And now it looks like there's potential to do that. So I'm very excited about that. Yep. Um, so we got two super chats and Mike, I'm gonna let you hop in here right now, but I uh, just want to get these real quick from 49ers throwback and uh, our guy, Robert Davis talking both about Traverse Ward and Debo in practice and training camps going to be epic. That's going to be good. I've seen a lot of people report that Ward has been Traverse Ward, excuse me, has been the best DB by far on the field. Hopefully that pays off for the 49ers because they have not had a true, you know, number one corner in a very long time. Um, also, I've seen DeMarcus in here comparing George Kittle liking or sharing the April Fool's jersey swap to the Jags to Debo Samuel liking the jersey swap of him to the Cowboys. In my opinion, it's totally different situations. One was clearly a joke on April Fool's Day, and the other one was done out of spite to prove a point that he doesn't want to be here, and he wants to be with the most hated DeMarcus rival. Said, that doesn't matter, Debo. Some people like to picture. I like a thousand pictures on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook a day. Don't mean you want to be them. You can't like a photo because it's funny. I don't know. Can you like a photo because it's racist? Like, you're a public figure, dude. You got to watch what you do on Instagram. Like you got it. Like you, you're not looking at the thing that you're liking. I know that's like a very overwrought comparison. I know that's like an extreme comparison. But Debo Samuel liking uh, what has been a traditional rival to the 49ers, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And you got like, come on, man. Like there has to be some accountability. I, right? I'd say oh, I like a thousand things a day. That's great for you, dude. But you're also not a. a a public figure you're also not a professional athlete there's a there's levels to this right like i work in the public sector i work at a hospital there i can't there are certain things i can't like you know what i'm saying like on on social media even if i think it's funny or if i think that it's like cool or whatever right like there's a certain level of professionalism that you have to maintain so. all i'll say is in our situation, it would be like, imagine you're married and you like a post with you photoshopped with another woman. Like, you can't just do that to your to your wife, you know, like that's not go. cool that's in this great, situation. That's a great analogy. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Mike, I'm going to let you hop in here. Now that Debo Samuel is back with the team, obviously we've discussed him not necessarily, excuse me, us not necessarily overlooking everything, but how do you think this kind of impacts things going forward? Nick Bosa is obviously next up for a contract extension. Um, we've talked about this before. Most of the extensions happen in late July, early August. Does this just kind of reinforce what the four hours are trying to do all along? We handle our guys. Handle we our take guys. care of business. Why did you make this an issue? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it goes to what John Lynch said um, a couple days ago that we get deals done the year of the last deal. Debo was going to get a deal this year. Nick Bosa is going to get a deal next year. Uh, he, he made it very, very clear. They were adamant that um, our current cap situation 
is not going to prohibit us from signing players that we want to keep. He made that very clear. The Niners before this deal were at $4.5 million in cap space. It did not make a difference. And that's something that I think needs to be applauded by the 49ers front office, um, the, the way that they're working. And it also tells me one other thing. They know for a fact Jimmy Garoppolo will not be on this roster come week one. And that that money will come back to the 49ers cap space. Um, when it comes to Debo being signed overall, uh, I, I, I knew it was going to happen when Kyle said our relationship is fine. There's nothing to worry about. Um, and the front office is working on things. This 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 front office, along with Kyle Shanahan, has been so transparent that we look for lies and deceptions in what they're saying, and we're having a really, really hard time finding them. You know, uh, from the moment they traded up and drafted Trey, everyone's like, oh, shit, you can't trade that much away and not start that guy right away. And Kyle was like, yeah, I don't think a rookie's coming in here and beating out Jimmy Garoppolo for this job. Uh any rookie that any rookie quarterback that's going to be on this team is going to probably sit for a whole season and learn the playbook and get, and get to know things until he's ready. And then he doubled up midseason after Jimmy was going through his struggles when we were three and five by saying, you know, um, we understand that we have another quarterback on the team, but he's not going to start until we feel he's ready or he has to start. Jimmy gets injured. He had to start. And then they went right back to Jimmy. This team has been so transparent that we think it's deceptive. Uh, so there was never a doubt that they were going to get him done. Um, and, you know, at worst case scenario, they don't get him done. And he still has to play for the Niners this season. There was never a worry about Debo this season, in my mind, being a 49er. Uh, and, to, and to what Matt was talking about earlier about the whole liking the picture of the Cowboys and all that, people have to remember that it was more than just that one picture that he liked. Then he right, went out and right. showed the uh, him and Mike McDaniel out to dinner, making it seem like, uh, him going to Miami was a possibility. Then they traded for Tyreek Hill. Like it was, it was just one thing after the other. It was all leverage. This was all a negotiation tactic uh, from Debo and his team. You know what I'm saying? So I think he was ill-advised to like the Cowboys thing and put a, a very sour taste in my mouth. I won't speak for anybody else. Put a very sour taste in my mouth. I'm happy that he's here. Debo and Kittle can be a a a new quarterback's best friend. Uh, you know, they, the, the check downs and the short passes and guys that can make big plays out of something small. Uh, those are the kind of guys that you want on a roster. It only benefits the 49ers. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be really, really big. Um, and what I like about the contract overall, you know, we, we talked about this on a couple of different shows. I know, Zach, we did this on Patreon. We talked about would you sign a six-year deal or a three-year deal? It's not going to be four. It's not going to be five. But you're either going to keep me two years past my 30s, or you're going to let me re-up again when I'm 29. And that's exactly what the 49ers did. I think that this the writing was on the wall all along for this deal. Um, and, it, and it worked out the way that we thought it was going to work out. Real quick, Mike. Real quick, Mike. Alex is asking Alex for you to go into details. Detail. I'm not sure if I'm you're able sure. to. Yeah, so uh, one thing that people have to remember about this deal is that it's considered an extension. Um, so what the, what the team is allowed to do is take his current – salary for this year they can remove that turn it into a signing bonus and things like that and they can create cap space with that money because his 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 contract in his fourth year was fully guaranteed that is 100 cap space they can take that money now and turn that into signing bonus and and workout bonuses and incentives and things like that uh so that really did open up a lot more cap space for the 49ers uh, now i'm not the 
I am I am far from a cap guru and and know the inner workings and, and how all that works. But I won't be surprised to see that they reworked his last year of the deal and turned that into some of the money that they use to make this deal happen and, and get it finalized. Um, you know, the, the, the one thing that we have to remember is that even even with the four point five million, John Lynch was adamant. Uh, our current cap situation is not going to restrict us from signing Debo or Bosa if we want to. We're going to get it done if and when the time comes. So it's that that's how it is, man. We have we have to be completely honest with ourselves. This is a well-run team. You know, Matt did a very very phenomenal thing when he compared this team this year to what Patrick Mahomes and the and the and the Chiefs were uh, three or four years ago, right? Alex Smith had just got that team to the playoffs. They put up over forty points and lost a game. Not the fault of the quarterback. They lost a game putting up over 40 points in the postseason. And everyone in the, in the Chiefs kingdom was like, maybe Mahomes should sit another year. We just won 12 or 13 games. We just put up 40-plus points in the postseason. It's not the fault of the offense. Maybe maybe Mahomes should sit one more year, right? But when they were ready, when Andy Reid and that offense was ready to make a move to the other younger quarterback with the less experience, they did it. And then, boom, he's a freaking league MVP. Who's to say that can't be us here with the 49ers right now? There's no everyone's saying, oh, we got to temper expectations. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not uh Lamar Jackson. He's not Russell Wilson. So what? Patrick Mahomes wasn't Patrick Mahomes until he got the start. Why can't Trey Lance be Trey Lance? But you know, you know what I'm saying? It took it took Josh Allen two and a half, three seasons to become the Josh Allen that everyone respected, right? Who's to say that Trey Lance can't come in here this year and wow? Everybody, Kyle, I truly, truly believe that Kyle Shanahan was not going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo until he felt he had someone better waiting in the wings. Better does not mean more wins. It means that this one position is better than what we had at the previous position. And I would be a fool to say Kyle Shanahan now doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to someone running his offense. I'm all in, man. All the chips are on the table for me. I'm saying the Niners are making the, the postseason. The Niners are at least winning one game in the postseason. And to me, that's a successful season. Super Bowl or not, I think that we are on on base right now to have a very successful season for the 49ers. I'm, I'm happy. I'm excited. And bringing Debo back, having him happy to be at camp, when the pads come on, this is a win for everybody except the other 31 teams in the NFL right now. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. So I wanted to share this because I just thought it was interesting. And I can't remember the last time where something like this has happened. Um, this is per Ari Myrov of the My Sports Update. A whopping 20 receivers have signed deals worth $20 million or more per year. 11 offseason. Oh, sorry, sorry. 11. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Tyreek, Devontae, Cooper Cup, AJ Brown, Stephon Diggs. Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Chris Godwin, and Mike Williams. Really insane stuff. Um, I can't remember the last time something like this has happened, so I just wanted to point By that out. By the way, shout-outs to that first comment right below. RIP to Bill Russell, a legend. Yeah, yeah, we'll leave it at that. Also, yeah. also I want to shout-out, because I'm a huge nerd, um, shout-out to Nichelle Nichols, who also passed away today, Uhura from Star Trek. Um, she passed away at the age of 89. She was a pioneer. Um, she was part of the first um, interracial kiss on TV. I think that's very important to recognize her contributions to that franchise. She was outstanding and she will be missed as well. And then for my wife as well, I got to mention anybody who's a Disney freak, the voice of Ursula from the little mermaid. She passed away today too. 
So it, it came in threes today. Rest in peace to all those wonderful, wonderful people who contributed so much to us over the years through sports and entertainment and um, condolences to their family. Um, now, to the point that you are making, this is one of their... I'm sorry, Mike, did you want to say something about about our condolences? No, no, no. Condolences, okay. obviously. Prayers to the families. No, go and, for it. Go for it. And, and support. But I wanted to talk about the, the tweet that uh, Zach just posted. If you put If you put that list back up there, Tell me which one of those receivers is not a number one receiver on their team. Like that, that's what I was going to say to you. It's the NFL doesn't just give out these 20 million plus a year contracts to anybody. Right. If you, right. if you were to view that list and see which one of those guys are actually not number one receivers on their respective teams. I, I think the Chris only Godwin. one might be Chris Godwin, right? He might be yeah. the only one. And that's because Mike Evans is just a freaking monster. Is Mike Williams number one? Mike Williams isn't number one either. Uh, I think Keenan Allen Keenan is actually Allen, the top right? reception yeah. target. But I think yeah. they do different things. Right, right. But, I mean, look look, look at that. This is a hell of a list to be on. Yeah. it kind of It's kind of going to set the, set the expectations of what the Niners are going to get from this guy, Debo, in the, in the coming years. Not year, years. That's a great thing, man. We are in a really, really good place. I think it's I think it's underrated at how much the Niners take care of their top guys at at at, at their respective right. positions, right. man. Um, we we don't get enough credit for it. Everyone always one runs around and says, "How can the Rams do this? How can the Rams do that?" Look at what the Niners do. Look at what the Niners do, guys. George Kittle, Fred Warner, Kyle Uzcheck. I know he's just a fullback, but damn it, look at his salary. You know what I'm saying? Debo Samuel. Trent Williams, they go out there and they pay these guys. Just two years ago, Richard Sherman could have been added to this mix. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are guys that really come in and change games at their respective positions. And here we are again looking at it. The Niners are just as good at what they do as the Rams. They just do it in a different way, and people don't talk about it enough. We are just as good. By the way, to your point about Richard Sherman, Richard Sherman was coming off that Achilles tear. And the 49ers helped work out with him like a three-year, $39 million contract that was like very incentive heavy. But for a guy that was getting up there and starting to age and who wasn't a phenomenal athlete to begin with, coming off that type of injury, I mean, I think the 49ers did a solid by Richard Sherman too. Um, And the one year he didn't make the incentives, he missed one. It was like a percentage of the snaps, and he missed it by like a percent point two. And they still gave him that bonus. That's something else that goes unmentioned. Like they were like, you know what, man? Like you sat down for a couple of snaps during the game. We're still going to give it to you because you deserve it. You know what I'm saying? So Richard Sherman got all of that money. He got all that. Listen, you, we, we sit around and we watch the Rams make these moves because they're in the division, and we say, how is they, How can they do it? The salary cap is fake. The 49ers, when they made this deal with Debo, had $4.5 million of salary cap, and look at what they did. You don't think the Rams fans are sitting around saying, how? How is it possible? The salary cap is fake. They're saying the same thing that we're saying, but because we're here and it's a positive for us, we're not going to talk about it. They feel right. the same way we feel when they do the same thing. So I think it all goes to be – I think it should all be applauded. And we didn't have to trade a bunch of first-round picks to get these guys. This is homegrown talent other than Trent Williams. And that didn't even cost us a first. You know what I'm saying? Right. This is all homegrown talent. Uh, and, and Kyle Juszczyk was a free agent. This is – we're a really well-run team. 
We are really, really well-run team. They do what they have to do when it comes to paying their guys, and we shouldn't doubt this front office anymore. I think this right here puts the nail on the coffin. This is a good front office here. I, I, I don't have anything else to say about that. I think, I think the turning point was when Jed York was like, all right, I need to stop being a micromanager. And as soon as he stepped out of the picture and gave these six-year deals to Kyle and John and stepped out of the way and let them do their thing, that's when the turn of the of the corner came. Um, but I, I do agree with you. They they definitely take care of their own. They're definitely team friendly. And I know that a lot of the talent's homegrown. But even Trent Williams was a revitalization of his career. He was floundering in Washington. He wasn't happy with where he was. He had just gone through a battle with cancer. Right. They take these guys that have so much talent, so much potential. Maybe something isn't working where they're at. And you look at it like, man, maybe they're on the downside of their career and they turn it around and and they do right by the player. And it's amazing what just being in a good, positive situation can do for the mindset of a player and the 49ers. And, and this is why it's all the more disappointing to me that there was so much just shenanigans with Debo Samuel with so much noise, with all this stuff, because all Debo had to do was just take a minute to just be like, how did, how does this organization treat players? And he has a firsthand account of how they just, I mean, you got, again, like Mike alluded to, Trent Williams, George Kittle. Hell, Jimmy Garoppolo had a five-game stretch that netted him $127 million. You know, they take care of their guys. And all he had to do was ask around the locker room, hey, man, how should I go about this? And I bet you George Kittle would just be, would have just been like, hey, man, be up front with the team. Tell them what you want, right? It was as simple as just saying like, hey, you know that I'm represented by the same guy that's representing A.J. Brown, that's representing Terry McLaurin, that's representing D.K. Metcalf, right? We're all going to be in the ballpark. So don't expect anything quick out of me because I'm not going to be the one that takes the least amount right off rip i gotta see what else is going on out there and and you know work with the team you know but it sounded like he wasn't even coming to the table and you know people say oh he just liked one thing well yeah he liked the cowboys thing but then he also did the little cutthroat sign at the nightclub and he also did the thing where i think it was what was it like his brother or something put out like audio of him and aj brown on a phone talking about like you got to come to the table if you want to get paid and, you know, there was this other stuff and it was this thing and that thing. It was, you know, whoever, Jeremy Fowler, whoever was reporting what Devo said about X, Y, Z. And it, it was a lot that could have been avoided and could have been like dealt with. Right. But this is a well-run organization. And, you know, they ended up getting it done. And by the way, kudos to the 49ers for letting go of of the off-field noise, right? And giving him a deal that was comparable to the other guys because they very well could have said, like, we don't need the headache. Like, why should we get 58.1 guaranteed on a $73 million contract? Like, I mean, he got he got 100000 less than DK Metcalf, but he got more than A.J. Brown got. So you're talking, like, they gave him guaranteed money. He's going to get paid. Right, and they did. They didn't have to do that, but they did because that's the type of organization it is. It is. That just makes me excited, you know, about the organization. And the one time uh, before we get to this tweet that Zach has up here, the one time a big contract didn't work in favor of the Niners was with D Ford, and they restructured that guy two or three times to turn yep. the cap hits into 
prorated roster bonuses that they could spread out. Like, hey, guys, we might be taking a loss here. Let's make it so that it doesn't destroy us this year and it's something that we can work with. So even with the way that they handled D Ford in a, in a calculation that didn't work out in their favor, it still was something that they were able to manage well. So a phenomenally run front office here. Kudos to the scouts, the, the pro scouts, the college scouts and all that stuff. This is a really, really good team, and they have the coaching to go along with it. The talent's here. The coaching is here. Guys, we're the most dangerous team in the NFC. I don't care what anybody says. You can't name another team in the NFC that is going to put fear in you when it comes time for the playoffs. Not a single team in the NFC are we going to say, oh, well, I don't know if we can I agree. I agree. I want to address this from Tim. The nightclub thing people take wrong. It's not for biased interpretation. We are fucking mind readers. Listen, a dude was holding up a sign that said, Debo stays in San Francisco or whatever, whatever the thing the sign said. And the camera immediately panned to Debo and he goes, nah, what is up for interpretation? It's pretty fucking clear. Hey, dude, you want to, you want to like, you want a pizza? Nah. Let's go, Matt. Tell him, tell him, Matt. Let's go, man. It might be rocket science for you. No offense, but it's pretty clear to me. Even if it was different, wasn't clear. Then he had multiple opportunities to clear that shit up on his own. And he didn't do it. He stayed cryptic. He obfuscated the situation. He operated behind smoke and mirrors. He played bullshit fuck fuck games. So I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. If you want to say that's speculation, if you want to say we don't know, he didn't make it any clearer. So all I have is speculation. And I'm speculating on the side of the team that takes care of its fucking players. No offense, right. Tim Sutton. Welcome to welcome to the program. I don't think I've seen you before. <laughs> With that said, Matt ran out of the way. I wanted to talk to you about this tweet because I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, After yeah. the news broke, AJ Brown says basically all four of us got the same contract, and I'm the only one got traded. Yeah, keep believing it was me. Anywho, go birds. So obviously he's saying all three of us got the same shit. Yeah, I'm the bad guy for wanting it. Based and you know I'm the only one who had to get traded to make it work. I so I don't I don't follow this. I wonder if Tennessee fans are jumping on AJ Brown. I don't know enough about that situation to know. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, my dad, I think they were casting him as the bad guy. I think, but I thought I didn't hear yeah. about AJ Brown wanting to be traded until after he was traded. Right. So so my dad is a Titans fan, and immediately after he was traded, I called him and said, "What are y'all doing? Julio was not that guy for you. Like what?" Why would you guys trade him? And my dad's response was, fuck him, man. He don't want to be here. Then let him let his ass go. You know, we we can't keep anybody that don't want to be here. And I'm like, Pop, like, who who are you guys going to throw to? Is it washed up Julio, who is, by the way, a free agent now? Like, what were you, what the hell were you guys thinking? No, nah, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. And so, yes, as soon as he was traded, the Titans fan base assumed that it was he was traded because he didn't want to negotiate with the team. And Clearly, based off of this tweet here, it wasn't him. Yeah, keep believing it was me. That's exactly what that means in the middle of this tweet. You guys keep believing it was me if you want to. We all got the same deal. If they wanted to keep me, they knew what it was going to cost. So what what A.J. Brown is saying is it wasn't me. It was the Titans being cheap. Yep. Okay, that makes sense. Tim said, said, I'm just saying we don't know for sure what he was saying no to. It could have been anything. And then... 
Demarcus Dixon said, that's all assuming and assuming make an ass out of you and me. Listen, Dio made an ass out of himself long before I made an ass out of assuming what he was talking about because he wouldn't he wouldn't figure I you need clarification, otherwise I'm left to figure shit out for myself. So again, but like I said, yeah, I'm every glad chance, here, every chance to clarify. I'm just not going to forget the way that he went about trying to get that deal because I think it could have been done another way. And that's that ha- requires no amount of guesswork or assumption. Anybody looking at it can see plain as day that could have been handled better than it was. Not only could it have, it has been every single sh- other play the 49ers extended. Yes. Fred, George, uh, Jimmy, I guess, uh, Trent, none of them had this weird public issue with the team and also requested a trade because it was Eric Crocker in my window right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, it was a really interesting, to say the least, interesting offseason yeah. the way that they handled this. I'm just happy the 49ers stuck to their guns and said, This is what we're going to do. This is what we always planned on doing, regardless of whatever outside noise you had. We're still going to continue. I'll cheers with my Coke Zero. I'm, I'm out of wine. I mean, I'm not out of wine. i just out of wine in my glass. Yeah. So. Water it is. <sighs> all, right. all right. Is there you anything else we want to. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we're all done with the Debo Samuel talk. Um, Welcome back, if, Debo. Before we get into training camp, Ty Anderson's asking where we think Jimmy Garoppolo Don't lands. get hurt by week one. What do you guys think? Sorry, I, I sneezed that out. My bad. I'm going to, I'll go first here. Uh, I have been alone on this, and I'm going to stick with this. Houston or the Giants? I have, I, I honestly believe I was the first person I ever heard mention the Giants for Jimmy Garoppolo as a landing spot. I really, really think that. I was saying that months and months and months ago. Um, I'm going to stick with that. Either Houston or the Giants. Everyone, and, and Zach, you included, have been trying to tell me, no, Mike, they believe in Davis Mills. I saw the picture of Long Neck with the red visor. I'm not buying it. That guy won two games. He won two, what was he, like two and nine or some shit? Like, I am not buying it. I'm sorry. You guys can call me what you want. I understand that he looked good in certain situations and positions, but when the game was on the line, he couldn't do what he needed to do to go out there and get it. Uh, Melissa's with me. I'm I'm dead serious. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a Texans or a Giant. Sean, let's go, man. Like, get on the train, guys. Those are the two teams that I think have the best shot at landing him. If, I'm going to say this, if it's a trade scenario. If he's cut, Seahawks. I have no idea. Yeah, Seahawks will probably go the hardest for him. But if he's cut, I have no idea because then it's just a bidding war between all the all 31 teams. So I, I have no idea then. I just want to say, before, sorry, I cut you off, Matt, but I just want to say. No, 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 you're good. Go, discuss go. this on your Patreon. And I, I still think I'm the only one. It's a very, very outlandish situation. But if it happens, I would be fucking singing my praises from every single rooftop. A three-team trade. Tennessee, Minnesota, 49ers. Kirk goes to Tennessee. Tannehill comes here or some shit. I don't really know how it works out. I haven't thought about it too deeply. Send Jimmy to Minnesota. They get a cheaper, similar version of Kirk. And Kirk gets out of there, goes to wherever the hell else of the third team that happens to work out. I'm just throwing it out there. Because I, I love it. It's outlandish. I haven't seen anyone else talk about it. I don't think Minnesota's tied to Kirk Cousins. And I want my damn credit if it happens. Go ahead, Matt. Wait, 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 oh, wait, wait. Before oh, Matt ahead. says, 
I, I, I just want us to come back to this one. As soon as Matt is done with his, his thought, right? Everyone got mad at Cleveland for the fully guaranteed contract for a quarterback. He wasn't the first one to get a fully guaranteed contract. It was actually Kirk in Minnesota. This is the first time that I ever heard of a player getting a fully guaranteed contract, but they hate on it when they heard it was Deshaun Watson with Cleveland. All right, Matt, I'm done. The floor is yours. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I'm going to push back on that. I think it's because of the situation that Deshaun Watson is in, and then they said, fuck it, we're going to give it to him anyway. I think that's more of the problem than the fully guaranteed money. I think the fact that he has all this smoke surrounding him, right, and they were like, $230 million, no problem. That I think that's where people are like, dude, now how do we hold our quarterbacks accountable for shit like the Kyler Murray thing where we got to put the don't play video games clause in your contract when you're supposed to be studying for games and then they have to take it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, how, we can, how can we realistically police the lesser things if Cleveland was just like, sexual assault? Uh, we don't care. Uh, just $230 million for yourself anyway, sir. Uh, that's fine. Cleveland, that dumpster fire of an organization. Um, I think, honestly, I think Jimmy ends up in Seattle. I don't think that a trade is going to materialize for him that the 49ers like, are going to give a shit about. And I don't think that any team's going to offer them significant compensation given the fact that they can just wait out the 49ers and they know the 49ers don't want to carry that $24 million into the into the season. Um, I... No offense, but the first and, and, you know, I know, Mike, you said it, but the first person who like tried to make it breaking news was a member of like 49ers Twitter as far as I saw. And anything that comes from 49ers Twitter, I immediately crumple up and throw in a dumpster because they don't know anything. So no offense to those people. But um, if it's not if it's not from football, football is really weird. Right. And it's it's a lot like the NBA. Um you know, baseball is different that you like a bunch of people will pick up a bunch of things and you can hear something from an outside guy or whatever, whatever, but football and basketball, Twitter, especially everybody's dislocating their shoulders to pat themselves on the back and break news. That isn't even true. Um, I, it, it's a couple guys, right? It's Rappaport. It's Schefter. It's Jay Glazer in the NFL. It's, uh, Sean Sharanya and it's Adrian Wojnarowski in basketball. Like those are the guys that I look to. If those people aren't saying it, I don't believe it for a second. Maybe the Giants have interest. It's possible I could see that they're not super sold on Daniel Jones, particularly after he suffered a neck injury um, that they were kind of worried about coming into spring. They said it'll be healthy. Who knows? Um, and of course, the Texans, Davis Mills. Sure, there was some potential there, but I mean, the Texans are a dumpster fire. I just, it's, it's bad, man. It's bad. So if it's not one of those guys that we know that breaks stories, I just don't believe it. You know what I mean? Who on 49ers Twitter said it? And how long ago was that? I don't want to name names, bro. All right. Don't name names. What what was it? They said the Giants or Houston? They said This was recently. This is like the latest reports within a couple days. Oh, no, 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 no. I said it way before that motherfucker. No, no, no. And I'm I'm telling you, listen, I believe you. But somebody else was saying it like it was like actual breaking news. They were saying it like, hey, I have this sourced. And I don't believe that shit. And they did a whole article on it. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. And no offense to that person, but I don't believe that kind of stuff. So we don't got. Damn, you got to put the name up there. <laughs> Zach put the name up there. It's fine. Like I put up all the comments. No offense to Marco Martinez, but like I just don't believe it. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it's too much. It's too much. Jimmy is this. Jimmy is that. Jimmy's going here. Jimmy's going there. Jimmy's going everywhere. Until it happens, I just don't believe it. And I don't understand the rush. Like, he's got sources that, I, I don't know, man. Like, oh, even Callie, if he's I don't need, Jimmy I don't, himself, I don't Jimmy's like, I've been in talks with the Giants. Okay, that's fine. But that doesn't mean he's going to the Giants. Like, yeah, any agent can call out. I don't need the article. I, I saw what you got, what, what Matt is talking about. I thought he meant someone said it before me because, listen, unfortunately, no, 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 no. Or, or fortunately or unfortunately, I give all my takes live on the camera. I don't go back and delete shows. I don't get a chance to delete what I said because what I do is YouTube based. So I'm not deleting anything that I said. It's either YouTube or Patreon. I don't delete either one because I would be doing a disservice to my audience, right? So these guys can go out there and tweet, oh, I got a source that says Jimmy's going to Cleveland. And then then three days later, I got a source that says Jimmy is going to Houston. And then two days later, I got a source that says Jimmy's going to New York. And they can delete each one once they become disproved, right? I'm not that guy. You will never see me deleting tweets. You'll never see me deleting shows. I say what I feel, what I think, and it's out there, right or wrong. I leave yeah. my shit out there. I'm not those and that, guys. And that's the thing. And I respect the shit out of that. And that's the same thing that I do. I offer my opinion and I react to things that are actually reality. That way I come in knowing like, Hey, my opinion is my opinion and my opinion might be wrong, but it's not meant to be something where I'm saying I have this source and I know definitively my pet peeve comes when people go, this has been sourced, blah, blah, blah. Remember when Matthew Stafford was coming to the floor? Listen, Dan Cilio is a perfect example of why, and we all know, he said, oh, 49ers deep in talks with Matthew Stafford. Then it was like, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo going to the Buccaneers. Like, this bullshit, right? Like, what and if he named, he named freaking Don Yee in that. And Don right. Yee was like, and yeah. Don I saw Yee was that like, no. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And that's the problem that I have. It's like, I don't have a problem. Because I can say right now, if I'm just like, oh, I think that like honestly personally so personally for me i think that this contract with debo samuel this is a this is the contract that's going to end his 49ers career this will be the last contract that he plays on under the 49ers they'll get rid of him either before the contract or let him walk as a free agent because of the way that he plays in my opinion by the time he hits 29 he's going to be on the downside of his career he's going to be beat up he's going to be oft injured and they're going to let him go now do i know that for a fact no i don't that very well could prove me wrong my opinion on dk metcalf coming out of college was, man, he had like a serious neck injury and he had to have neck surgery. And for me, at the position that he plays with the size that he plays at, I don't know if he's going to have a long career. So far, I've been proven wrong on that. But it's an opinion. I'm not stating it as fact. I'm not stating that I have inside information. I'm not stating that this is source, that is source. That's where the difference comes. I have no problem standing by an opinion that I'm wrong on because it doesn't mean shit. I'm just saying what I think in the moment. And if that moment turns out to be wrong... I'm okay with that because this is this is what we're supposed to do. So before we move on from the Debo thing, the last thing I want to ask you guys is this. Looking at the guarantees, it's like 58 and some change, right? Is that not just a two-year deal with the third year being a, an option? And if you guys agree with that, who is the option for? We don't have the fine, finite details yet. Is the option a player option or is it a team option? What do you guys think? I, I think that I think that the contract's actually going to be backloaded and that the further it goes, the more that it's going to be for Debo because of the cap situation that they're in now. They're going to have to get 
they're going to have to get Nick Bosa under contract next year, which means they're going to need a little cap flexibility. They signed the contract while Jimmy Garoppolo is still on the roster. There could be some rollover there, which is why I don't think that he's going to be on the roster. But I think that when we don't announce, like the DK Metcalf deal was announced and they were like, DK is getting a $30 million signing bonus to sign the contract. I haven't seen anything like that for Debo. So for me, I think that it's like, I think it's going to be a backloaded contract, this one. It, to answer your question, I would say if that is how it turns out to be, the third year being the player option, I think Mike froze. <laughs> okay, you froze on a real No, Mike's team. on for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, it would have to be the team option because I honestly feel like the team is still Give me like, a second, y'all. I'll be right back. You're good. Uh, the team is basically still thinking like you've only done this at a very high level one year, and you're asking us to commit – so much to you look at all of the other players whose contract stacks up next to Debo Samuels they've done it consistently every single year since they've been in the NFL Debo Samuel I love personal issues aside with what he did this way going about his business on the field one of my favorite players in the NFL and I'm not saying that just because I'm a 49ers fan but that's only been one year at a very high level he hasn't even proven he could stay healthy on top of that so in my opinion Mike it would have to be the team option. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I was I was looking at this, and sixty million over three years is actually a really solid deal, yeah. right? When you look at the guarantee, and he's just under that. Uh, but what I'm what I'm it's it's the difference between the guarantee and the potential of the contract. We're talking another twenty five million dollars, something something in that range, right? And so that's what I'm really concerned. Uh, I'm drinking Crown Royal reserve not xo like i want it reserve um so what i i'm trying to figure out how i feel about the the language that we've been privy to we don't have all the details yet like like we said um but if i'm debo and it's definitely a three-year deal with the with the team option i think i want a little bit more than 58 million guaranteed i want to know that i'm going to get paid at least 22 million a year. So now we're talking 66 guaranteed as opposed to 58. If it's, if it's my option, if it's the player option and in third year, right, then I'm cool with the 58 and some change because I can opt out and then I can go and hit the market again for 25, 26 on average. Again, you get because the cap is going up. So the, the, the wide receiver salary is going to go up also. That's the way I'm looking at it. So I'm leaning towards, a player option right now but i mean we got to be honest man it's it's what it's like it's like 19 and some change a year that's good either way you look at it even if it is over the three years so it, it's not terrible uh they say the guarantee money is all that counts and if that's the case to me this is saying a two-year deal not a, a three-year deal so that means that the, the third year if it's an option year would be for the player in my in my eyes i could be wrong though we'll see i think I don't know, man. Like Prague does these weird deals. So it very well could be that that last year is for the team to kind of, if they decide they want to extend Debo, maybe that last year becomes a flexible year that they can, again, push more salary to the back. Cause who knows at that time? I mean, th- when you're talking about it at the end of three more years, who's going to be due for a contract? Trey Lance. So you're talking about that would be the end of his yeah that would be the end of his fifth year, he's going into year two this year he has three more years of team control before they have to extend him. 
So that would be right at the end. I could see Parag doing something where they create financial flexibility for that fifth year to have a contingency plan for when Trey Lance gets really expensive as a quarterback. Because by the time Trey Lance gets paid, if he pans out the way that everybody hopes that he pans out here, he's going to be making like $50 million a year. By the time the quarterback market gets to him, that's what that's what he's going to make. In the meantime, you have Bosa, you have Ayuk, you have you know this player, that player. That's all you're going to have to spend money on. And so the way that they... It's too hard to say without knowing the exact structure of the contract, which will come out in a couple of days, of course, without saying what it is because Parag just, they, they do these contracts in such a way that it's really hard to just look at it and go, oh, well, this is, this is what they always do, so it's this. Some players are front-loaded, some players are back-loaded. You just don't know until you see it. All right. With all that said, I, uh, Melissa asked me earlier, who do I think Nick wants to outdo deal-wise, Aaron Donald or Joey Bosa? I mean, by next year, I'm not sure who's going to sign, but I would say Max Crosby, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, who I believe is the highest paid defensive end right now. He wants the number one spot. So whoever is number one, I don't think Aaron Donald necessarily because he's in the middle, but the edge rushers, he wants that number one deal and he deserves it. And John Lynch, Kyle Shannon basically said he's going to get it. So the highest highest paid right now is TJ Watt, AAV. TJ Watt makes 28 million a year. Nick Bosa is going to be thirty million, at least. Yeah, it's it, and it's um, it's funny. I know she didn't ask me or Matt, but it's it's not even close. Uh, the Forty ers lost all their bargaining chips when when uh, when Lynch and Shanahan said Nick Bosa is going to be a Niner as long as we're here. Like they lost all their bargaining chips. He he is the guy. They're going to pay him whatever it takes. I wouldn't be surprised if he came in at thirty one, thirty two a year. On, on his on his next contract. Honestly, I would not be surprised at all. And you guys got to remember something also, right? The salary cap is going up every year, ideally, and the positions are slotted in their books based off of a percentage. So if the cap rises, so does their annual contracts. It's not going to be the whole, oh, five years ago, this guy was getting that much and he was the best. That's not going to matter anymore. It's slotted right, based off right. of percentages per player at each position. So he's going to be getting 31, 32 million match right, right. on the right. On, he hit it so, right on the head. So, yeah. And yeah. so just to explain for people who don't understand what Mike is essentially saying, he's saying like at $200 million, the defensive end position, number edge rusher number one, is slotted at that 200. They're slotted at 10.2%, which would be around $28 million, right? If the cap goes up to $300 million, that 10.2% still applies. And now you're looking at like $34, $35 million a year. So it's, it's in lockstep with the amount that the cap rises is the percentage is going to stay the same, but the dollar amount is going to rise in conjunction with the raise of the cap. So, uh, and that makes sense. And that's how most teams are going to run their business, right? You have a certain percentage allocated for each position. And it's, I mean, and I wouldn't be, would you be surprised if these teams do it for the, the 53, right? Like wide receiver one, we're giving this percentage wide receiver two gets this percentage wide receiver three gets this percentage and so on and so forth. Right. Within a ballpark, right. Plus or minus however many percent, but I mean, and that's a fun, that's funny from Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa knows he's going to get paid. Nick Bosa knows he's going to get paid. And for as much as we went through with Debo Samuel and people were like, man, Debo Samuel, he's worth every penny. Nick Bosa is inarguably more valuable to the 49ers than Debo Samuel is. 
It's not even, you know, a question. not even a question. I had a hard time like accepting that until I, I, I had like this epiphany today, right? You got all these different positions, right? All wide receivers, their success, unfortunately, is contingent on the quarterback. The quarterback's success is contingent on the offensive line. Nick Bosa literally writes his own check. He controls everything on his own. He doesn't need the other 10 players on the field with him to do well as long as he does his job well. And that's I mean, why he needs a ref to call some of them fucking holds, though. He's and I. So during Wayne's breaking news video, we actually talked about this, right? Uh, a couple years ago, the Legion of Boom was questioned on their on their holding and how aggressive they were and their handsy, and they were like, "Hey, if they're not going to call it, who are we to sit here and say we, we're going to stop what they're doing? Make them call it every play. If they're not going to call it every play, then we're going to play our style of football. We're going to play our brand of football." Nick Bosa is so good that him being held is par the course for NFL officiating, unfortunately. That's how good this kid is, that they they you know, literally can't call it every time they see it. You know what that. it reminds me of? It reminds me of basketball with Shaquille O'Neal, where people would hack Shaquille O'Neal all the time, and he wouldn't get as much fouls as other players would because he was just so big and so dominant that the refs just overlooked it and was like, no, nah, that dude can handle it. It's fine because if we called everything for him, then he would just dominate so heavily. And I feel like Nick Bosa, if the refs called holds on everything that they should have called holds on and the defense had to stop or the offense had to stop holding Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa would be pressing that sack record every single season because his technique is excellent. His athleticism is off the charts. You know, his hip bend and his ankle flexibility is fantastic. He is technique wise probably the best edge rusher in the NFL. All right. With all that said, training camp updates, breakdowns. Um, I want to shout out a couple of guys. Also, shout out to Steve Mullen. He hooked us up with a new YouTube graphic. So if you like that, shout out to Steve. Um, Steve does great work. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's finally getting jersey swaps down. I'm really excited to see where he takes that. Uh, Jordan Elliott, Jason Ponte, Croc, all these guys, uh, Brad, Graham, SF Niners. These are the guys who I'm just going to shout out real quick because they have been my go-tos for the training camp reports. As someone who, even though I live here, I haven't been able to go to any. It's really, really nice to see. Wait, these I'm updates. sorry. I missed it. Who'd you say? Jordan Elliott, Brad Graham, Jason Ponte. Um, shout out to Jordan Elliott. Don't let them drag you on Twitter, my guy. Yeah, I saw that was okay. happening. Nah, I, I didn't see him getting dragged, but come on, guys. That was a little bit of bullshit. Let's be honest here. Because I didn't see exactly what happened, happened but right, so at the same time... Let me tell you guys what happened. Elijah, I know, I know he, mistake, he mistaked uh, Jawan Jennings for Elijah Mitchell, right? Reverse. He thought Elijah Mitchell was Jawan Jennings. So there's, there's two things here, all right? During pressers, when one guy leaves and another guy is coming up, or the when the first guy is coming in, they the say, all right, guys, we got Elijah Mitchell coming in now. That's the first thing. So you get the verbal the other, thing. The other thing is Elijah Mitchell's like 5'10 and Juwan exactly. Jennings, Jennings is fucking 6'4 with red hair. How the fuck do you confuse him? Listen, and I'm not saying that he should be he shouldn't be allowed to make a mistake. That's not what I'm saying at all. So so let me be very clear here. At least he owned it though. I will say he owned it and he said, "Hey, that was on me. I fucked up." Yeah, no, he he didn't have a choice. You can't you can't dance around that shit, right? But we all don't look alike, guys. We every guy with I, I don't look like Fred Warner, despite what you guys think. I don't look like Fred Warner. All right. 
and Elijah Mitchell looks nothing like Jawan Jennings. The microphone is two feet away from Jawan Jennings' mouth, and it's six inches away from Elijah Mitchell's mouth. I gotta I'm say something me. though. I l- listen. I I just want to say that that component of it is something that like I will just like mildly push back on because I get that shit all the time in the hospital. Patients will be like. I feel like I've met you somewhere before. You remind me, did you ever work at XYZ? I think that happens for everybody because let's that's be honest. Because, like I've gone to listen, I've gone to 24 baseball games this year for the Padres, right? And I can I can mildly remember most of them, right? But if you ask me, I'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy hit the guy would be like, Oh, he hit a double in the sixth thing. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, No, he didn't. I'm just bullshitting you. And I don't I wouldn't know, right? Like our memories are famous for failing i don't think i just want to say i don't think that there was anything malicious on jordan elliott's part to that whole thing i think he made yeah, a he mistake did. it was a bad mistake i'm glad that he owned it but i don't think that there, some people are making it out to like he's like this piece of shit for it so yeah but the the reason why and, people are so ooh, comforted and this and they is feel perfect by the way the you? person who said the fred warner thing that video of the guy that kind of looks like Fred Warner doing all the ninja kicks against that bag made another appearance this year, even though Fred Warner said, that's not me. People are still like, damn, Fred, get it. So I understand where that kind of mistake can come from. Yeah, there you go. Booker T. My clicks more like Booker T. Here we go, right? Just, just start naming the guy with the locks, right? Dig it, the reason why people feel comforted by you in, in the hospital field is because you look and feel like you you look and feel like my man uh Rogan, Seth Rogan. Like you just All have this demeanor. Like. Huh? All us white guys look alike. No, no, but you don't you no one's ever told I'm you that you I'm feel like Seth Rogan, bro. I didn't say look like you feel like Seth Rogan. I, I hope I don't feel I don't know. Seth maybe early Seth Rogan. Seth Rogan lately is kind of a douchebag. Well he he's a burnout now. Like everything is a weed. Yeah. Like I'm surprised he doesn't have dreads yet. I'll be honest with you. Like, but I'm just saying, like you, you, his, you give characters in the movies. <laughs> I would hope that it's because I'm a genuinely kind person that people like it. Okay. Okay. This this podcast took a We're totally off on a different tangent. What the fuck is happening? Yes. Um. My whole point was to give credit to these Damn, reporters Lamar? doing the groundwork. Lamar. Lamar. <laughs> Lamar. First of all, Chubbier has two B's. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Second of all, my laugh is way better than Seth Rogan's. I don't go. <laughs> That's not my fucking laugh. Fuck you, Lamar. Like the hey, welcome laugh. to the show. <laughs> that was funny though. Good shit. God damn it, man! This fucking show. <laughs> all right, credit. Where I, guess, credit I guess we're due. rounding into the shape like the 49ers' offense is. Yes. Yes. All Joey, right. don't bring up the singing thing. <laughs> during the during the draft, Matt sang some Selena, Selena. and a clip when yeah, uh, took off a little bit. Joey yeah. clipped it. All right. Credit to those guys doing the groundwork for the training camp because they really are putting in the work. Um, what has stood out to you guys for training camp so far. We talked about the defense being ahead of the offense. The hand-wringing against Trey Lance. That's, what's, that's what caught me off guard. And I knew it was coming. And I, I feel like I said it. that the first, And it's the reason why I justified Jimmy not being on this team. Because I said the first sign of trouble that Trey Lance had, all the boo birds would come out and everybody would be like, well, this is why we need Jimmy. And it's very much, I feel like it's very much like that. 
Um, and I think that Grant Cohn is a big perpetrator of this. Matt Barrows, same thing. These guys that go, oh, this quarterback was three for 10 with an interception in team drills. You're not helping the cause, man. Because Nate Sudfeld, the first day was like 13 of 14 or whatever. And that dude sucks. So I just, I don't think that it's a very, it's context, right? It's co- love you too, Lamar. Um, it's context. It's, they're working, they're working on things. This is not a finished product. This is, we've had three days of camp, no days of pads. What do you think is going to happen? There are going to be days of good. There's going to be days of bad. Um, And it's just, it's one of those things where if you're immediately looking to create a narrative or, you know, put pen to paper to something that, oh, this is a firm fact. This is whatever, whatever. And you don't have context to guide you forward or to, you know, inform you of what's to come or like what the situation is, then you're going to get it twisted because you can sit there and say, and, and cowherd is somebody that does this too, is that, Oh, Trey Lance with three of 10. Oh, he must be terrible. Oh man, that guy must suck. Right? So Mike, you're dying over there. You all right? <laughs> I'm sorry, man, but chubby here has two B's. <laughs> That's probably the funniest response i've ever heard to a comment in my four or five years of doing this shit that that shit, that was phenomenal tell me has to be i like proper spelling bro i'm sorry um uh zach to your answer uh th- to me the story that's going to go unnoticed by everybody else uh one that's not getting enough headlines during this whole um training camp scenario uh, as bad as the offensive line has been doing, uh, I've heard nothing but positive things about Aaron Banks, believe it or not. Uh, I've heard that Aaron Banks is the guy actually in there holding his own, winning one, one-on-ones against Nick Bosa and, and the likes of uh, the top edge rushers on the team and everything. So uh, he he is not getting the um, – the praise that I expected him for, for the, for the flack that he got being a second round pick last year. It's not, it's not reciprocated. It's it's not even right now. Um, I expected if he was doing bad, he, him to continue to get roasted and people to say, look at this guys. We told you guys he was a bust. He didn't fit. We didn't understand why we drafted him. We heard that all of last year, especially when he w- didn't earn a starting position. Uh, and now this year he's in there at left guard and you have heard nothing about him except positive things but they're not highlighting that and i think he's getting a disservice right now so i wanted to applaud aaron banks uh stepping up doing his thing this off uh during during training camp right now uh now when the pads come on i expect him to actually get a little bit more aggressive and be even more dominant you know we heard about his rework body um and and otas and everything they said he came in he looked a little bit different uh and then now we're hearing that it matches, right? So the visual was one thing. Now physically we're hearing that it's matching. I can't wait for him to put on the pads and tie it all together and show everybody why. Stop judging a book by its cover. Stop looking at me uh, year one and expecting me to be a proven pro and wait for me to develop. This fan base has zero patience for, play- for players, and this is going to be, I'm hoping, the perfect example of that. Be patient. Allow guys to learn in the NFL at what the 49ers want them to do, and then we can applaud them or boo them accordingly, but wait and give them the freaking chance. So I'm going to tip my hat to Aaron Banks or tip my my scarf or whatever you want to call this, my uh, yep. neck gator to him. So shout out to him. 
That's my, my, my favorite story of the offseason so far. I'm, I'm glad you shared that because I haven't heard that. Um, I wanted to add on to what Matt said, though, and I'm going to share this post from U Stadium on Instagram and not to throw any shade at U Stadium because I like them. I've interacted with the guy who runs it. Great dude. But I thought this was totally, total bullshit, just to be quite, quite frank with you guys. Um, he put it on Instagram, Trey Lance in the 49ers office has been struggling in 49ers camp. The offense has thrown 10 interceptions, and Trey was seen staying after practice working on snaps. Granted, the 49ers have one of the best defenses in the NFC, and he calls for concern. And my guy Raj of the SF Niners comment of the year right here he said actually this is a terrible assessment of the entire situation especially if you're not even there offensive line is working the kinks out and starters have been absent for the most part so far no pads are on most of the interceptions have been for the backup quarterbacks three from Sudfield today secondary is playing at a high level and Debo has been playing it because of his contract situation Trey's been working out after because the center position is still a work in progress Brunskill didn't play in OTAs this he had that's because he had some issues timing a snap, so he wants to build that chemistry with Lance. Shouldn't post about a situation if you're not there to understand it, which I thought was brilliantly said. And this, here's the other thing, too. Yeah. By the way, did did Lance, when he was tearing it up in OTAs, did he not still stay after and work on stuff? I believe he did. Yeah. This is just par for the course for Lance's work. Exactly. And and, and these, I mean, ten. that's what I, I could probably quote or search, quote, 10 interceptions and I would get 500 tweets about, oh my God, there's been 10 interceptions. Throw 10 Why are we just attributing all those to Trey Lance when there's three different quarterbacks throwing these passes against a top tier defense? So I just wanted to shout that out because I agree with Matt. A lot of this has been so quick to jump on Trey Lance and talk about him negatively when there really isn't a reason to do so. He's a young kid. He's just now getting starter reps. And he's with a shaky offensive line that's barely building chemistry without his top receiver against a much improved secondary. Why don't we give them more than a week before we start throwing in the towel and saying, that's it for Trey Lance. We should write him off already. Let's calm down and let's just wait this out and let him actually get situated and get his feel before we actually assess the situation. Especially if you're not even there. If you're not even there, like you're just going off report. So, um, Yeah. Yeah. And, and the truth of the matter is Trey Lance should be applauded for staying after and working on snaps. That's not his job, right? He could have said, hey, anybody go over there and work with the centers that are going to be with me, right? But he took it upon himself to say, hey, Brunskill, you having a bad day? Come on, let's get this worked out. Hey, Brindell, let's get out here and see what we can do to work on these snaps getting better. Those aren't on him. The mishandles of the snaps, from what I understood, were on Brunskill finally getting reps at the center position, right? It wasn't, it wasn't even on Trey Lance. So, I mean... I, I don't get how that can be a knock on him. We heard about the two or three bad snaps from those centers. It wasn't a, a, about, you know, what happened with Trey Lance. It was someone else. And one of them wasn't even when Trey Lance was under center. So if you hear about him going out there and staying after, how do you not applaud something like that? You know, the the, the post from U Stadium was written, and like you said, I, I also know this guy. I have a bunch of DMs with this guy back and forth, so it's not a knock against him, but it's – it's easy to sit here and, and take the general numbers, put Trey Lance as the header and your picture, and make it seem like something that is not. Trey Lance should be applauded for taking time out to say, hey, I saw you struggling, bro. Don't worry about it. I got your back. Let's work on this in a couple of reps after practice. And that's exactly what he did. That's a real leader. That's someone who gives a shit about the product that we're going to be getting on the field, and that should be applauded. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there was an article that came out. Um, 
it was like an NFL.com article. It involved Kurt Warner, who's been at 49ers training camp, talking to Trey Lance and stuff. And Kurt Warner said, every player that I talk to tells me how excited they are about Trey Lance, not only as a player, but as a leader. And this is another example of that. And unlike somebody like, a, you know, a, a regular run-of-the-mill journalist or whatever, dude, Kurt Warner has lived it. Kurt Warner's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Kurt Warner's a dude that, again, if people were telling him something different, it's it's why I value Steve Young's opinion, too. Like, these quarterbacks that are in it, and no offense to Joe Montana, Joe Montana's not really in it anymore. He's just looking outside perspective, right? Steve Young is still in it, actively trying to be in it, right? He's still a journalist or whatever. He works for NBC Sport or is it uh, or is he Sunday Night Football? ESPN. Steve Young, ESPN, Sunday Night Football or whatever. Kurt Warner works for NFL. They're still in the middle of the game. They're still evaluating things. They've been through it. They know what the bullshit is. They know what's what's real and what's not, right? Kurt Warner saying, these players are telling me that he's like a great leader or whatever. So that speaks volumes to me. And people are just looking to criticize. I mean... I saw a tweet from yesterday or was it today or whatever that I responded to where it was that that video that came out of Trey Lance throwing that bomb down the sideline to Brandon Ayuk, right? Brandon Ayuk makes a hell of a catch. That ball went to the perfect spot. And some asshole on Twitter was like, too much wobble. Like, fuck you, dude. Fuck you. Like, how much... like. It got there. Who cares if it was a little wobbly, dude? Peyton Manning himself describes himself as like he throws like the wobbliest pass, but it like gets to where it needs to go. Peyton Manning acknowledged that about himself, and he's a Hall of Famer. People are willing to pick on everything. Um, and I just want to say to the to the person who said that they still miss uh, Buckner, hey, Mr. DJ, dude, I saw, I saw Javon Kinlaw doing drills and moving around and stuff. That knee looks pretty nice. So I'm hopeful that this is the year that Kinlaw puts it together and, and wrecks shop. All right. Um, also, we haven't had a chance to discuss Robert Kemdiche. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I always feel like I'm saying it incorrectly. Um, he was signed by the 49ers. Shout out to Brad Graham. Teased that report before it was official. John Lynch kind of called him Nostradamus, which I thought was funny. Um and I've heard reports, again, from Jordan Elliott talking about how he's actually been stepping up and playing really well, which is huge since the 49ers lost, unfortunately, Maurice Hurst due to that torn bicep. So if he could hop on here. And Armstead to that knee. And arms, exactly, yeah. That would be really, really clutch for the 49ers. Imagine having Armstead, Kim Diche, Bosa. You know, there's so many first former first-rounders on this defensive line. It, it, it's kind of scary, actually. So hopefully he catches on. Hopefully he plays well because the 49ers could definitely use him. 49ers Tarfax says, 49ers cast, I blocked him. He still said Jimmy ain't the one. Ain't on the team. He was comparing Trey Lance's throw to Jimmy G's. Yeah. The the comparisons will never end, unfortunately. They they really won't. It is just what it is. But, you know, I think um, we're, you know, we're a couple weeks away from the start of the preseason. Preseason actually starts next week with um, the Hall of Fame game, but like for the 49ers, it's a couple weeks away. We'll make sure that we get in here before, you know, the beginning of the season and we'll do our season preview where we predict 49ers record and things like that. For me, it's like people could compare all they want to do, right? You got to compare teams, not players. I have, I, I'll tell you right now, my 2022 season prediction is that we're going to surpass what we did last year. 
and that we're going to be on par with that 2019 team. And I love I'm predicting, it. Right, I'm predicting right now this is a 13-win team. Well, cheers to that. So we'll get into it, but you know we'll we'll break it down, and I'll tell you why I feel that way. But I mean, you know, I I just again, a lot of the people that are saying Trey Lance, oh, he's sucking in training camp or whatever, bro. Not everybody, not every first year full season starting quarterback goes up against the top five defense. In yep. practice every day. Um, yeah. Tua Lore, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, asked, what do you think of Nick Bosa putting pressure on Trey Lance by saying that they have the elite defense, have all the help without Whiteout or with Whiteout and Kittle, but if Trey Lance makes any mistakes, that will be on Trey. What Bosa actually said was, we'll do really well. Trey just has to limit like the big mistakes, right? But that's like a Captain Obvious sort of situation, right? Like, that's like any quarterback has to prevent. I don't think Nick Bosa is saying anything that everybody doesn't already know. That Trey Lance is going to be a little up and down, right? It's just, is he going to throw a third down and seven, maybe a little wide? Or is he going to turn the ball over in their territory? Because each one forces the ball to the other team, but there's levels to it. A third and seven wide throw out of bounds is going to get the punter on the field. And then they start at their end. A pick on your own side starts them in position to march down and score there. There's levels to this. And what Bosa is saying is, man, if you can limit like the big mistake, we're allowing for mistakes, right? Mistakes are going to happen. Everybody's up and down. We just have to limit the big mistakes. And that's on both sides of the ball. To me, that's like typical one-on-one player speak. And it's coming from a player like Bosa who, no offense to Bosa, but like he's not he's not super savvy about like the media game. He just he answers questions very directly and very frankly. And he's not like a guy that seems to be interested in playing the media game. He'll tell you how it is without it without spinning it. And that's not a, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think that he's just telling you what he feels and, and you know, it's again, is that any different than Jimmy Garoppolo throwing a pick over the middle or throwing two picks in the red zone at Tennessee last year? Like that's no different, right? You got to avoid the big mistakes. That's to me, that's like football one-on-one don't make big mistakes, right? If you're going to miss, miss small, don't miss big. Yeah. He's extremely socially awkward. Go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say it goes kind of it's it's just stating the obvious, right? Like when we're out there and we make a good play, part of it is going to be because the quarterback made a bad play or the receiver made a bad play or the tight end ran the wrong route. You, like it's it's tongue in cheek, right? A negative for the offense. If you're only worried about the offense, you're going to be like, damn, that's really bad. If you're looking at the team as a whole, the defense out there tearing it up. So it like the very first day of training camp, the quarterbacks were damn near perfect. Trey Lance had only had two incompletions, and one was a drop. The other because a receiver fell. The other one was in the receiver's hands, and it was broken up. Right? That's flawless. I do want to give Cone credit for this though, real quick. Cone actually picked up on this, and I thought it was actually a really good point. From you know, he gesticulates and makes like a lot of weird points. But that first day of camp and through OTAs, it was all seven on sevens. Now it's eleven on elevens, and that's making a difference. I think in the quarterback play. So I just want to throw that out there. 
Well, not only that, they said that it was majority short passes also on day one, where we heard all these positive 11 of 11 for Nate Sudfeld even, right? So the short passes are third step, throw the ball to who's supposed to be open and see what happens there. That's more of an evaluation of the receivers running the proper routes, not even the quarterbacks. So when you hear that, and com- couple that with the one receiver that fell down that was one of Trey Lance's incompletions, that was all an evaluation on the on the pass catchers, right? So now you 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 turn it into downfield passes, which are already at a 50% NFL average completion percentage, right? The the passes are gonna start to to, to wear down. You, the, the high percentage completions aren't gonna be a thing. You know what I'm saying? So we have to we have to keep this all in mind when we're trying to decipher what to take away from these training camp reports. It's not all supposed to be glitz and glitter. And like Matt said, we have a top five defense here. These guys aren't supposed to go out there and shred them every single practice. I know Fred Warner went out there and said, yeah, Trey Lance has given our defense fits last year, right? I know he said that last year, but that's not supposed to happen when this is what they're doing. So, and no pads always benefits the defense. So we'll see what happens starting next week well and the and the other thing i want to say is too again like i said the defense is more reactionary right but this is also a defense that is this is year four of kyle shanahan the defense knows what kyle wants to do on offense they should have an advantage and they're reacting to what they know kyle likes to do when trey lance is shredding them last year trey lance is running scout team offense which means they're running what the other team likes to do and that makes a huge difference. When Trey Lance goes against these other teams, these other teams don't know, they don't get the same look every day that the defense of the 49ers gets, knowing Kyle Shanahan's offense inside and out. They're getting the all-22 view of what Kyle Shanahan wants to do, and they're left to guess, why is Kyle doing this formation or this thing or that thing? And there's a certain level of football theory and, and whatever going into it but they don't know exactly what's going on, particularly with the verbiage that Kyle Shanahan likes to run, the fact that they do all this different exotic kind of looks or whatever. The defense here, not only are they fantastic, going to be probably, again, probably a top five unit, particularly now that they've shored up the secondary. You have three great linebackers now. You have Aziz Alshair, Dre Greenlaw, and Fred Warner back there, not to mention the guys that, you know, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles and the guys that, like, stepped in and did that. You have a defensive line that rolls 12 or 13 deep, right? You supplemented your secondary. Chukwaski Tart was, you know, a subtraction, and that that sucks. But by all accounts, Talano Hufanga has stepped it up in training camp. You have George Odom that came over as a special teams and safety guy from Indianapolis. We can't forget Charvarius Ward, Charizard, um, who's, who's stepped it up. Emmanuel Mosley had some struggles last year, and by all accounts, it looks like he took those to heart and has been seriously working on his game, right? Diamador Lenore has been another guy that I've heard has been standing out in camp. Um, you have all this put together, and you got this great defense. Of course the defense is going to be out in front of the offense right now, but that's not to say that the offense can't be great once all the pieces are there. Again, how's McGlinchey going to recover? I heard he's slim Mike again, which is bothering me, but... I'll let it go until I see it. I don't want to see him get knocked on his ass like he did in 2020, but we'll see. But then you have the whole interior. The only the only area where you know that you have 100% lockstep is Trent Williams. That's like a for sure, that shit's taken care of. You don't even need to worry about that left side. Trent Williams is going to be a dog. It is what it is, right? Everything else is 
up in the air. And that's going to affect Trey Lance. That's going to affect the quarterbacks. Not having pads on is going to affect the offensive line. They can't get in a defender's pads. They're essentially touching his shirt and letting him go. Right. And after those plays are sacks, they want the quarterbacks to continue the play. And at that point, it's so broken down. They're just kind of like throwing something. Right. And practice is the area where you try things where you normally wouldn't. So I'm not too fussed about the offense. I think they're going to do great. Um, this defense is just so overwhelmingly good, though. Like, how how do you expect the offense to, you know, take them out? You know, I'm going to give Matt a chance to catch up in the chats. Um, but I want I want to get to this comment real quick. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Great Fox one nine eight super chat ten bucks. Kinlaw has a personal vendetta against Grant Cohn. I imagine he visualizes offensive linemen as Cohn making fun of him. Cohn's making fun of him, Waterboy style. Thank you for the support, Great Fox. Dude, could you imagine he knocks somebody on their ass like on the Rams offensive line? And he's like, fuck you, Lowell. <laughs> yes, actually, I could. I absolutely could imagine that, right? That's um, right. You That's know, right. That's right. Matt just said something about uh, Diamandu Lenore. I have heard that he hasn't gotten any reps at the nickel position yet. And in fact, once they took D- uh, Darquez Denard out, uh, they went with Dante Johnson. Is this something that we should be talking about? Is there a chance that he was never supposed, Diamador was never supposed to be a nickel and they really did draft him to be an outside corner? Like this is something that no one's really seemed to be batting an eye at. And I think this, this, I don't know, it's early. It's week one, no pads, right? I understand. But is this something that should be a story that's talked about a little bit more? When is he going to get those reps there, if at all? Because that's something that's been taking place. And like, Zach, I I, I don't know. Like, how, how do you guys feel about that? I got to go. I, I'm sorry. You guys want to continue? Do you want to wrap up? How are we feeling here? Oh, you got to dip out? I got to go. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, um, I'm game to keep going if Matt's still going. Yeah, I'll, yeah we I'll can keep going. going. That's All fine. Right. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. You guys have a great rest of your show. I'm going to dip out real quick. I'm going to change it to this. Have a good night. Yes, sir. All right. Zach, man, All right, so me. I'll answer your question, man. Like, I, I feel like the nickelback is going to be like a by committee sort of thing. I feel like. I feel like they don't really know. And I feel like nickelback is like a, a position where it's really difficult to determine what you need until you see it. Um, it's It was a luxury to have the nickelback that we had the last couple of years, you know. Um, really good until he wasn't so you know you draft somebody like like womack who or uh is that that or is it Tariq fields and what wasn't womack i think that was the other one yeah womack was the other guy that they were saying was they were right so you, you draft they drafted a, and, and signed some positions for the for the cornerback position i think they're kind of taking the same approach as they're taking to the interior offensive line you don't know what's going to work there until you see it and then you go that's the guy so i think it's early but i think that that's part of it all right, cool. So that's not that's not too bad then. Um, it, I just was a little taken aback by Dante Johnson getting reps over there with the, yeah, the starter right, before right. these other guys. I was like, whoa! Like I, I didn't expect. And you guys know I'm the biggest uh, Dante Johnson's. You know, I'm the biggest Dante Johnson supporter. Him being from Jersey and everything, right? So I always go to bat for my Jersey guys. But I was really, really shocked when I heard that. Now we know that he plays all over the secondary other than uh strong safety he has played everywhere um for the 49ers and it's just weird it was weird for me 
anyway to see that report. So I didn't know if you guys had heard about it or not, and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it. Yeah, I saw Dante Johnson was playing there. I think it's just kind of like, I don't know, man. It, it's so hard to gauge training camp because I feel like they're trying things they wouldn't normally try, right? They're like, it's it's almost like they have in their mind, and and Kyle and John are very set in what they like to do. And it's almost like they know what they want to do to start the season, but that now they're like, let's program for the contingencies. If this happens, what are we going to do? Let's look at what the backup option is. You know, same thing like Spencer Burford getting all the starting reps at, at right guard. Exactly. Who saw that coming? I haven't heard anything about uh, Donovan West. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I uh, Poe, oh, oh, wait, is Poe on? Uh, Poe. Is, is, is he yeah. injured or is he active? Like, I haven't heard I anything about him at all. But I haven't heard anything about West or Poe or, yeah, some of these other guys. And you're just like, uh, right. okay. Yeah, I, I just it, – it's weird not hearing anything about these guys that were, you know, top um, undrafted free agents that the team was going after. Donovan West getting that, that big – I'm saying big – that big guarantee. And where is he? What is he doing? Where is he right. lining up? I haven't heard anything about it. So it's, it's interesting uh, to me to, to hear – about how they're moving these guys around. And like you said, I do believe that the 49ers have an idea. The front office has an idea of who the starters are going to be. So let's try this guy out to see if we think he can beat someone else out, you know, later on. But yeah, I don't know. And I think for now it's mainly, you know, there's a difference between what you have with the pads on, right? There's, there's pure athleticism, which I think shirts and shells is good for, right? the pure athletes are going to shine with shirts and shells because the physicality is going to be a little bit less by design because you can't necessarily get up in somebody and, and really move them off somewhere or put them out of position or bully them a little bit because by nature of not wearing pads, you're not going to be quite as physical as opposed to when you get the pads on and you can be more physical. Is somebody going to start standing out more? And that's where I feel like, Particularly with a nickelback situation, even in zone coverages, you're going to see a lot of times the nickelback is going to bump somebody because it's going to be the, the wide receiver is going to be running across, or he's going to, you know, you're going to rub them off somebody else, right? There's going to be a little more physicality amongst that than there would be otherwise. I think once you get the pads on, we're going to get a better idea of wh- who's going where on the offensive line and on the defensive side of the ball, particularly at that nickelback spot. Maybe, um, you know, again, Warner says he's working on coverage. Dude, maybe if they want to go like Warner in a coverage situation with two corners on the outside and the extra linebacker, right? There are going to be situations where that's the case where you don't have a nickel back out there and you're running your base defense and Warner's going to pick up coverage. I think you're going to see more of that once the pads come on. And that's going to be interesting to me. It's a lot to draw off of three days of camp and try to create a narrative for the entirety of preseason for the 49ers when you don't even know. And I mean, how many times have you seen it, right? Where it's just like, I don't know about this guy. I don't know about this guy. Oh shit. He popped in preseason game number two. Right. Now, and then all of a sudden, wow, you're up the depth chart and you're moving. You mentioned the pads coming on and everything like that. Um, I expect the offense to take a major step forward, specifically the offensive line. Uh, then you insert a newly signed Debo into the mix uh, how much of a swing do you think the storylines take after day one? Because day one was offense, 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 holy crap. And then it was defense dominating, defense dominating. All right, we got lockdown corners, right? Now when you throw – now, <clears throat> let, me, let, me, let, me, let me backtrack a little bit. 
day one was offense, offense, offense. Two and three, defense, defense, defense. But you heard Ayuk is looking great out there. He's really doing his thing. Now you're going to add Debo back in the mix. How much of a swing do you think the storylines take once the pads come on? Offensive lines should be able to step up. They can grab pads a little bit better and control these guys and reroute them on their rushes. Um, you you mix in now Debo with Ayuk on the, in, the, in the starting offense and things like that. Do you think it's a significant change? Do, or all of a sudden, do we still think that we have this insane lockdown secondary? Or do you think, hey, man, it's time to humble some of you guys. Let's Let's take a break here. Uh, Charizard, you're not as great as everyone is saying that you are. We want you to be, but we got the real guys in here now. Let's see what you're really about. I think that for the 49ers Twitter and what we do, we'll be on a little more micro level and we'll be able to pick some of that stuff apart, right? Um, Grant does the who looked good, who didn't look as good, who looked bad. I think that from a national perspective, particularly of – and people who have a narrative agenda, right? And particularly, this can come back to Trey Lance. If Trey Lance starts stepping it up once Debo comes back and the pad comes on, all of a sudden it's going to be, oh, well, Trey Lance now has all his weapons, and that's why Trey Lance looks better, right? Oh, the offensive line was get able to get a little more physical, so they're giving Lance time that he wouldn't have in the regular season. It's going to be everything except to give Trey Lance his flowers and if Trey Lance makes a mistake, that's going to be magnified. Um, if the defense is still killing it, it's again, it's going to be, oh, Trey Lance isn't ready. Trey Lance is this and this and that. If the defense is really top five, like we think it is, and they're still holding down wide receivers, even with Debo there, even with the offensive line being able to get physical, that's going to, the story inevitably is going to be about Trey Lance. For better or worse, it's because it's the most, it, quarterback is a sexy position, right? It's the most um, media-driven position. It's the most scrutinized position. This offseason is all going to be about the transition from Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance. That's all it's been about as far as I've heard so far. And for us, I mean, I know you and then me in particular, man, I'm fascinated by what the fuck they're doing on the offensive line. I have no idea what they're doing in the middle. And it's really interesting to me because I'm just like, they're really going to scatter shot this offensive line when they have a new quarterback. And like, you know, it's tangentially about Trey Lance, but for me, it's like, how do you expect Trey Lance to do really well? If you're not giving him the tools that he needs to stand upright and read the defense and this and this and that, but even on day of day two. And again, I, you know, Grant Cohn, I think he just happens to be a prolific guy, right? Like he's just a prolific guy in terms of 49ers content. He has access to the building. He's throwing stuff out there, but even Trey Lance is like, dang, man, I don't know if Trey sees well to his left. That's something that hurt Colin Kaepernick. And it's just like, bro, it's day two. And this is where we are with the Trey Lance thing. And it's this off season is going to be preseason. It's going to be completely about Trey Lance. Everything else is going to be secondary or tertiary to the Trey Lance situation. For me, I'm much, I'm comfortable with Trey. I'm comfortable with the growing pains. How are you going to keep them upright? Right. How good is this defense? Can the team carry Trey Lance until he's ready to help carry the team in a way that Jimmy Garoppolo could not? Because I already know what the 49ers look like when they have to carry a quarterback. We watched that all last season. That, to me, is not a mystery. What, a, what the mystery is to me is, can the team prop Trey up enough to help him grow and develop 
on the fly because as we know, training camp speed is not game speed. He might be completely trash in practice because he's trying to do things he wouldn't normally do in a game. And he might do something completely different in the game where you're like, damn, this dude's actually really good in games. Like, why is he so bad in practice? We've seen that before. Aaron Rodgers is notorious for throwing picks in training camp because he just does stuff. He wants to try things and that's okay. Right. That's like that. You kind of want to see what you can get away with. And it's important. I think that people look at it as just like, oh man, he either can do this or can't do this, but a quarterback has to test their limits. And it's very important for a quarterback to be able to do that. Now you need other circumstances to be in place for the quarterback to do that. Like we said, offensive line, what are they going up against? So Unfortunately for your question, it's like, dude, it, like a lot of this, once everything is in place and the pads come on, I still think it's going to be a, you know, a narrative on Trey Lance and how he's doing regardless of anything else that happens. And I think a part of it is trying to prepare him for worst case scenarios, right? We have a starting offensive line. We're not going to put them out there in front of you against our starting defensive line to see how you handle worst case scenarios. Get out there, make a play, or try to make a play, right? And you said practice is different than live game reps, live speed, and things like that, right? They said that there were plays where Lance tried to fit some things in on plays that he was tagged as a sack, but they kept the play going just to see what kind of throws he was going to make, right? 2019 was a year that we heard about Jimmy throwing five consecutive interceptions, and the team goes all the way to the freaking Super Bowl, right? So, you like, training camp is the time for preparation, seeing what you can and can't get away with. We have to keep all that in mind when people have eyes on the field the team is also trying to figure things out as well. If Trey Lance can do X, Y, and Z behind this line, imagine what he can do when the starters are in there. I think that's the team's mentality. And we have to, we, you know, it's something that we have to, like, you know, put in the back of our mind when we're writing these articles, when we're dissecting what the reports are and things like that. It's just, it's not what it seems right now. And I, that's, that's going to play a major, major factor in the success of this team later on. If Trey Lance found a way to still go out there and be seven of nine behind that bad offensive line, playing through what the would-be sacks were and things like that, then it's gonna, that, that's when your eyes really get open. You expect them to have those bad days behind that offensive line against the starting defensive line. So I'm, I'm not overly concerned yet. Um, when they tell me that this is still happening behind – the starting offensive line, when I see it happening in the preseason, then maybe I'll start to say, oh, shit, maybe I had too high of an expectation for this kid. But right now, I'm just not worried about it. I think they're throwing everything at him to see how he reacts, how he responds, and to test his leadership. Again, all these negative things are happening. How do you handle it? And the way he's handled it so far, hey, man, the center exchanges weren't too great. Let's stay after. Let's let's work on a couple more reps. Bro, I have to give this kid an A-plus so far from everything that he's done and everything that we've heard about him. From, from a work ethic and leadership perspective, absolutely. And shout-outs to Bucky Brooks, who went on Colin Cowherd uh, last week and was just like, hey, man, like it's cool. You want to like have a narrative about Trey Lance, but we're really not going to know what he is until like one or two seasons in. Like To me, I'm not concerned about Trey Lance this season. To me, whatever he's going to be is whatever he's going to be because this is his essentially his rookie season you're going to see ups you're going to see downs he's going to make some bad mistakes where we're all like golly i wish he didn't throw that pass or fuck man he fumbled the ball like ah oh, we were so close 
we had that last year with Jimmy. The difference is Jimmy was an eight-year pro last year, right? Trey Lance is coming into his first full season as a starter. This is the time, for better or worse, to work out the kinks, and it's why I'm so glad that Kyle came out in that first press conference, that first kind of like state of the union to open up training camp and was like, Listen, this is Trey's team. We've already we've already acknowledged this is Trey's team. The, he it's it's his time now, right? Jimmy is not going to practice for us anymore. He's telling you Jimmy is not going to be here to begin the season. He's gone, right? And no matter what they say, oh, we don't want to cut Jimmy. The fact that they're like he's not going to practice that tells you he's gone. Like it doesn't matter. Trade cut. He won't be here week one. He's not even factoring into the equation because if you don't think that Kyle Shanahan is tailoring this offense to supplement the athleticism that Trey Lance brings to the table, you're not paying attention. This is not going to be the same offense that Jimmy ran last year. So if you thought you were going to keep Jimmy into the season, it would behoove you to actually get him up to date on the playbook. They're not doing that. They're like, Jimmy, you can run off to the side. You can throw on your own dime with the trainers or whatever. We don't give a shit. You're not practicing with this team. Trey Lance is going to have ups and downs. He, I'm telling you right now, he's going to have double-digit interceptions this year. That's what it's going to be, right? He's going to have five to 10 fumbles this year. That's what it's going to be. That's what every first starting year quarterback goes through, except for Patrick Mahomes, who's a fucking unicorn, right? And that's like, that's the floor, by the way. It very well could be that Trey Lance has this magical season and comes out way better than anybody expected. I'm telling you, worst case scenario, double digit interceptions, he's going to have some mistakes. It's what happens in 2023 and beyond, right? This team is still set up where this is not the only year. Kittle is under contract. Debo's under contract. Ayuk is under contract. Bose is going to get re-signed. Trent Williams is under contract. All the key pillar and post guys, Traverius Ward under contract. All the key guys are still under contract with the salary cap continuing to increase. Um, They're going to have a little more draft capital. You know, you're looking at a team that can still restock the shelves, right? Going into year three, that's where you really want to see Trey Lance start to peak, where you want to see his value go up. Until then, there's going to be mistakes. That's just the nature of the beast. You you mentioned the the Bucky Brooks thing, and I liked what he said. I I got a question, though. He said that it takes 33 games to really see what a quarterback is. Not 30. He said 33. I believe he said 33. Um, He said like 32. I think he's like estimating like. It used two seasons. Now it's seventeen, so it's two seasons essentially. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Five years from now, do you think they change it to thirty-four? Like, do you you think they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 tent pole is going to be like thirty, like two seasons worth of games, whatever that is. That's what I thought because I always wonder what that formula was. Did did they come up with some magic formula? Thirty-three. He's like six. It was sixteen one year and seventeen the next year. That's thirty-three games. So gotcha. It's okay, I'm trying to figure yeah, out where that, where that number came from. So, you know, uh, I think after the, that many starts, though, we will have a decent idea of who he is. So the first year, he's out there, and the league is adjusting to him. The next year, he's adjusting to the league. Now we're going to see what this guy really is. And so I, I think that's really what it comes down to. So I'm, I'm excited, man. The future is extremely, extremely Absolutely. bright. I don't know how anyone it's, can be down on this team right now. No, and it, it and I want people. I really want to caution people. Right, Trevor Lawrence struggled last year. Does that mean he's trash? No. Zach Wilson struggled last year. Does that mean he's trash? No. Mac Jones played really well in the first half. Struggled in the second half. Does that mean he's good? Not necessarily. Right. Justin Fields played terrible. Is he terrible? No. But the Bears are trash, so he's probably going to fail. Sorry to say, but. 
there you have to look at circumstance. You have to look at the big thing for me for particularly, let's just take Trevor Lawrence for an example. Trevor Lawrence last year, difficult coaching situation, bad franchise, right? Struggled. This year, a little bit, what you would assume is at least a more professional coach, if not a better coach. Does Trevor Lawrence show year upon year improvement? If he does, that's enough to tell me that continue on with that guy, right? Um, Baker Mayfield from year two, he was better than year one, right? Year three, he was better than year two. Year four, he took a step back. You have, as long as the quarterback is continuing to improve, once he reaches the level that you're really comfortable with, like Josh Allen now, Josh Allen now is a franchise guy, right? Like even if he's proven that he can do it at such a high level, he's done it essentially now for two years. The uh, Two years ago, he was like pretty good. He was like maybe fifth or sixth in MVP voting. This last year, he's like right at the top, right? Josh Allen's like MVP candidate, right? Now he's, it's almost like you're, you're like a made man, right? Your career is, dude, this dude is really fucking good. Okay. Even if he has like whatever, you know, maybe he has a little more interception than he had last year. You know, the talent is there. The proof is in the pudding. He's already shown that he can do it, right? It's about maintaining that level. That's what you want to see. You want to see incremental improvement or steady improvement until you reach that level. And then it's like, all right, we got our guy. You know, and then you just kind of ride the wave until you see a market actual couple years of decline. At that point, you know, you're set, right? That's what I want to see out of Trey Lance. You got six games out of him last year, but really he appeared in six games. He started two um, and played the second half of the Seahawks game. So it was really essentially two and three quarters games last year for Trey Lance. You don't know what you have in him yet. And if you see improvement over last year, that's great. But if you see improvement in year three for him, that's what we really want to see. I'm going to ride the wave ups and downs, no matter what it is. He's going to, he's going to screw up, man. He's a 22 year old kid with like, I mean, less than 700 career throws. There's going to be a lot of struggles, right? There's going to be some struggles. You want to see the improvement. If he can improve, that's your guy. If not, then this franchise is fucked for five years anyway. So it doesn't even matter. Right. So what's, Going forward, what is your biggest concern for the rest of training camp and and maybe even into the upcoming season? Like, what's what's your biggest concern? Because I, it's interior offensive line, interior offensive line. That's my big concern. It seems like they're doing a throw shit against the wall and see what sticks kind of thing, and I don't think that that's the best approach with a with a young quarterback. I don't want to see Trey Lance running for his life every single game, and you're talking about a division with Aaron Donald in it. You're talking about a schedule that has a lot of good teams on it with a lot of good pass rushers. And you're asking him to do things, particularly when you look at Trey Lance's skill set. They're going to be running options, which is great. Those, those are going to be whatever, whatever. But we already know that Trey Lance has more ability to stretch the field than Jimmy Garoppolo. What can you not do in terms of deep throwing? Like, what is one of the biggest needs you need for deep throwing besides wide receivers? You need protection. If he's not getting protection, can they do that? Now, maybe Kyle draws up something and he's like, dang, man, our interior offensive line is really average. Maybe I'm going to do boot action for him and get him out on the perimeter and let him throw deep that way. But even then, you know, with boot action, shit, they might throw it deep, right? You need to be able to throw deep from the pocket too. And that is going to require 
interior offensive line play. And I think that that's something that is very important. Is there a chance that the 49ers are looking at this season the way Seattle has looked at Russell Wilson for so many years? It's like uh, we have this good guy who can move. He can stay behind the line of scrimmage, get outside the pocket, and still look to make plays downfield so we don't have to fix the offensive line right now. Like I'm not saying that the Niners haven't made uh, attempts to improve the offensive line. I mean, they've drafted, what, four linemen in the last two years, maybe five. So I'm not saying that at all. But do you think that there's a chance that they're saying we don't have to fix this right now because yeah. we have now a mobile quarterback, someone who can escape yeah. the pocket and still make plays? Do you think that that's part of the thought process with them? Um, I would have said that it would have been, but they also had a front row seat after the NFC championship game, watching what the Rams defensive line did to the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line in the Super Bowl and what Cincinnati subsequently did in the offseason. And Cincinnati built their team from the outside in, right? They got wide receivers, they got weapons, then they got Joe Burrow. The offensive line was lacking. And then all of a sudden you're just like, oh shit, we need offensive line for Joe Burrow. Like we, he can't, he didn't have time. I think he got sacked eight or nine times in the Super Bowl. Um, and they, without those eight or nine sacks, Cincinnati would have won that game. Um, it was a close game anyway. And it just, that the lack of protection really hurt. So before this last season, I would have said, oh yeah, maybe they do the thing where they're like, okay, we'll build from the outside in. Maybe offensive line is not important because he's so good. Maybe it's a Patrick Mahomes type where he's just going to make it up on the fly. But I think that that the league is a copycat league. And I just don't think that they had the time or the resources to invest in the offensive line that they would have wanted to. And I think that, that that's part of it. Um, I think, I think they also, and this is just me speculating. This is not me having any inside information. I think they underestimated what Lake and Tomlinson was going to command on the open market. I really do think that they slept on that and that they should have tried to re-sign him before he hit free agency. And it really hurt them when he didn't. And I also think that they were kind of counting on Weston Richburg or not Weston Richburg, um, uh, Mac coming back, Alex Mack coming back. Um, sorry, 49er center has been a mess for like five years. So, <laughs> but I think they were, you know, counting on Alex Mack to come back. And they really kind of played that close to the vest. And it really took a long time for that situation to develop. And I think that Alex Mack was on the fence for a long time. Um, but ideally, they would have had continuity on that offensive line coming back. Because now you're in a situation, again, when they announced Jake Brendel is going to be our first string center in OTAs. I was like, what the fuck? Jake Bre- I don't. I didn't even, I don't, I still, if you put Jake Brendel in a police lineup, I would not be able to tell you who the fuck he was. I have no idea what he looks like. I just assume that Jake Brendel is like, I just assume that he's like light skinned with blonde hair. That's what I assume. Cause Jake Brendel sounds like a white boy name to me. That's so, not so, fair though, no because no out, outside of skill positions, we don't see any of these guys with their helmets off. Right. But like, you I, know. I mean, I could pick Trent Williams out and I could pick Mike McGlinchey out and I could pick, you know what I'm saying? Like I could pick those guys out, but I can't pick Jake Brendel out. And that's like, I could pick Alex Mack out. I know what Alex Mack looks like. Joe Staley. I know what he looks like. Right. There's some guys that you know who they look like, and it's because, you know, I couldn't tell you what, I don't know what Orlando Brown looks like, but he's not on my team. I'm saying specifically to our team, I typically know what everybody looks like, so I would never mistake Juwan Jennings for Elijah Mitchell. Sorry, Jordan Elliott, but <laughs> um, I know what they look like. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where Jake Brendel, I'm like, who is that guy? 
Um, real quick, I want to get to the super chat from Corey Davis, $5 super chat. Thank you. What was the Debo Samuel deal? It was three years, $71.55 million with incentives up to $73.5 million, $58.1 million guaranteed. Thank you for the super chat. Love having you here, brother. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, man, it's it's going to be a good year. It's going to be, well, an interesting oh, yeah. year, I would say. I think it's going to be interesting. The offensive line, uh, I said this a couple of months ago. Uh, I had no worries about Trey Lance taking over. I had no worries about the skill positions. I had no worries about the defense. Um, people were saying this off this, this team is going to go as far as Trey Lance takes them, and I think they're going to go as far as the offensive line takes them. I really, really do. Um, you know, I agree with you. The biggest concern going forward is not, anywhere else it's the biggest concern it's going to be the offensive line and mostly the interior part and hell i'll be honest with you man even mike mcglinchy returning off of yep. that nasty injury yep. i mean yep. trent williams is the only guy that i i have complete confidence in and even him he's only played in the full season twice in his entire nfl career nobody talks about that no one talks about that you know what i'm saying so it's 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 very interesting to look at when you step back how many games are you going to get out of trent williams and you know, how bad are they going to be without him playing? So it's going oh, okay. to be. Uh, Melissa asks, um, are you still high on Sam Darnold um, at the end of his fifth year? Would you pick him up over Sudfell as his backup for the 49ers? I thought that Sam Darnold got a raw deal while he was in uh, New York with the Jets. Um, I heard it from multiple players that were there. Um, you heard Anderson once he transitioned to, well, transition, but when he Robbie went to. Parker. Yeah, when he went to uh, Carolina, (laughs) (laughs) when he went to Carolina, you know, he kind of went to bat for his guy. He was saying that, you know, the issues weren't really Sam. It was other players. Uh, And he even, you know, when they said that um, the Panthers might be interested in Sam Darnold, he was like, oh, no, I don't want him here. Like, that was a big thing that and he was like, it was just more more about me going to bat for our guy that was here. Someone, you know, that I know already, you know, Um, it was not about Baker. It was more about going to bat for my guy that's here already. Um, I don't know if I would prefer him over Sudfeld because I just haven't seen anything of Sudfeld to say I have confidence in him. It's not fair for me to make, make that assessment. You know, uh, listen to Kyle Shanahan. He said something that I thought was really interesting. Sudfeld has the fastest 40 of all the quarterbacks on the 49ers roster. Not that they're bringing them in to be, you know, running backs. That I, I swear to God, Kyle Shanahan said, I swear. I don't know why he went out there and said that. Um, Sudfeld also probably has the best ball uh thrown like the the prettiest pass passes of all the quarterbacks on the roster as well that, doesn't that, mean, too, that Sudfeld throws like a beautiful spiral I said that last year watching the film from Jimmy Trey and Sudfeld I was watching those guys in in the in the camp uh videos and everything and you see some really nice passes going downfield to certain wide receivers I'm like man who threw that and I'm rewinding it in slow motion watching it trying to see if I could see the number and it was Sudfeld a lot of the times, you know what I'm saying? But I haven't seen him in game situations to clearly give you a definitive answer, Melissa. So I am sorry. I can't say for sure either way. Uh, but what I will say is this. I trust this front office. If they decide to move on from Sudfeld to pick up someone else, I'm going to assume it's because they feel that the other person gives us a better shot at, as the backup role and not Sudfeld. So I'm going to I'm going to give I'm going to pass this off to those guys with the knowledge and, and not myself. So, um, by the way, Hung Fat, you got it right. Hit like and subscribe. Support the channel, guys. Um, I think it's more, I think Melissa meant 2023. So if, if Darnold came available next year after his fifth year, would you pick him up? 
I would be interested in because if he's available, I would um, too. That fifth year option kind of goes by the wayside. Um, right. We know that the the, the he's going to be cheaper. Yeah, now, I don't know if he'd be cheaper than Sudfeld, but we know the well, talent. He's gonna be cheaper, I mean, cheaper to what he is now. He's going to be cheaper, and again, like you said, it, it, it's a situation where Darnold has first round pedigree. And that opens a lot of doors for you and that gets you a lot of chances, right? Sudfeld is like, I think Sudfeld was like a seventh round guy. So, yeah, I'd be interested. I mean, if anybody could rehab him, you know, I mean, even hell, Josh Rosen had a terrible career before he got to San Francisco. Josh Rosen didn't do shit in San Francisco. He still got signed with the Bucks as a backup. You know what I mean? Like Kyle Shanahan will get you chances. When certain coaches pick you up over and over, it that's the same something. thing. And look at exactly. look at where after after Rosen left Arizona, look at where he went and watch his trail. He's getting picked up by trusted coaches and offensive coordinators in the NFL. That's yeah. gotta stand for something. I don't know what. I think he, I think doing. he got signed again this season, like to a practice squad or something. Right. Uh, he uh, no, he just went to uh Cleveland. He just went to Cleveland, I believe. Yeah. So like so, he's I mean, dude, like Again, it's like Rosen's on his sixth team, but the fact that you got two six teams, that means you're not absolute dog shit, right? And like he's the biggest bust of that draft, no, no doubt. Like I was higher on Rosen than he ended up being, but the fact that he got to a sixth team tells you that hey, some of these coaches like trust what they're doing, like what he's doing, the process that he brings. So. Yeah, I mean, like, I would be interested. If if Kyle's interested in Sam Darnold, that's enough of an endorsement for me to be interested in Sam Darnold. As exactly. Yep. That's, that's exactly where I am. Yeah. So, so. Um, I mean, going forward, I, I know that, you know, we're, we're over two hours. Um, we're going to wrap this up pretty shortly, guys. But, um, yeah, I just want to say, like, I mean, listen, the, the sky's the limit for this team. But as we said, off, interior offensive line is a big one to me. You know, it, it says something where, and by the way, I just want to shout out Grant Cohn. He said, Brock Purdy has like the worst arm that he's ever seen. It's he said it was so bad. Um, Brock but, Purdy's the new Kyle Trask, man. Right. I'm, listen, I know Kyle Trask was your boy, but he's got a noodle, bro. How you six five and throw the ball like you're five two? I don't understand. Anyway, Chad Pennington all over, man. I know, I know. Um, but the interior offensive line is going to be the big story, even more so than nickel, because you know, even if you don't have a firm nickel guy, right? I, I strongly feel Dante Johnson may do something well that the others don't do well, right? Um, Womack might do something that Tariq Fields doesn't do well. Tariq Fields may do something that Womack doesn't do. Avery Thomas might be a guy that does this and this and that different coverages could necessitate different guys, but typically your starting offensive line is your starting offensive line, right? I'm less concerned about nickel than I am that interior offensive line, given that Trey is a new quarterback, given that you want to run the ball. And by the way, shout outs to TDP who sounds like he's like the exact opposite of Trey sermon. I've heard that he puts his foot in the ground and just hits the hole. And that's exciting for me. For me, um, CDP is a guy that I'm very excited about, um, and especially if that can take a little bit of the pressure off Elijah Mitchell, because I know Elijah Mitchell struggled with some injury last year. If we can get a guy that can like hit it on those short yarded situations, you know, and not do the Tevin Coleman negative one yards in a cloud of dust, um, I'd be very impressed by that. 
and it's just it's real nice um i got oh here's a good question for us trey lance over under 3850 passing yards um i'll go i think trey lance hits 4k that's good man uh that's a good number that see like looking at it written down it's a it's a daunting number right because 49er quarterbacks typically just don't do that steve young had what two did did, did steve young ever i don't know but i know that um i know that jeff garcia is the 49ers leader and i think it's like 4280 or something like that i'm googling it now steve young highest passing yards but you know what? That extra game changes everything. Okay, so Steve Young. That's where I'm at with this number in particular, the 3,800. Right. I, I think that, that the 3,850, I think that it's, you know, I, I, the extra game makes a huge difference. If it was 16 games, 3,850 would be nice and fair. I think with 17 games, you know, 4,000 yards, that's not, you know, that's not too much to ask for or whatever. If you like really parse it out right. over 17 games, 4,000 yards, it's like 235 yards a game. Yeah. I, I think he can do it. I, th- I think he can get 4,000 this year. Yeah. I, I do. I do. I I'm going to, I'm going to say yes, definitively. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 3850. And like Joey said, that's 226 yards per game. That's so doable. 235. 235 yeah. for 4,000 over over 17 games. But 3850, that's 226 a game. That's so doable. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm actually more like a lot of people are like over under 800 yards. Man, I hope Trey Lance doesn't have 800 yards rushing. Like, I hope he has like 250. Like, I don't yeah. need him. To, I, I want Trey Lance to be a thrower first and a runner at the last resort. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, th- I think we see more of a. Um... Josh Allen type. Well, no, not even Josh Allen type. I, I don't know who to compare him to. Maybe it's, it's going to sound crazy. Maybe more of a Patrick Mahomes type than you know a Michael Vick type. That that's what I'm yeah. looking for. Right. Uh, you want you want it to be a situation where almost like Aaron Rodgers, right? You, people underestimate how escapable Aaron Rodgers is, and he can run for first downs. The thing is, that's what you want, right? You want him to be able to. What I want Trey to do is be able to escape a rush with enough time to create a play down the field that he can throw to, not let's run and let's do this thing. Because as we saw with Lamar Jackson last year, he got hurt. And when he got hurt, he was way less effective. And he's coming up on a contract year, and the Ravens are going into are going to go into that contract knowing like the way that he plays. Once the athlete, it's the same thing with Michael Vick. Once the athleticism goes. What are you left with? So you want to enhance the passing with the run and not the other way around, you know? So Exactly. exactly. Matt, who would you like less to say, Jeff Wilson Jr. or Mr. Fumbles Hasty? I think Hasty's going to go. Um, but honestly, if we're getting to Jeff Wilson Jr. at this point, it's not a good running back group. Jeff Wilson Jr. should be like the odd man out. He should be like one of the last people that you're looking like, do we cut him or do we keep him? You know, I know people love Jeff Wilson Jr. because of that zero blitz play that he had in 2019. Fine. But this dude's like a career, like 2.8 yards to carry guy or whatever. Like he's he's a short yardage guy or whatever. And if TDP is as good as, as everybody's saying, then that kind of renders Jeff Wilson Jr. obsolete and you use TDP instead. 
And I yeah, think for all of TDP, for all- Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, that should be your three guys. Everybody else by the wayside because you know Usechek is taking up a running back spot. I'd ideally like to see Usechek use more because he's such a versatile weapon. But I mean, in lieu of that, for just straight up carries, three halfbacks, dude. Like that's all. That's all you really need to carry. If you're carrying four, like you don't have enough. It speaks to the faith you have in your three, whether it be durability or whatever. But if you're keeping four of them, it it speaks to you know what you expect from the other three guys. So uh, stash a couple of running backs on the practice squad and keep it working. You know what I mean? Keep it moving. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to do it for us, guys. We're getting to the end of the episode. It's Sunday night. Uh, thank you all for joining us, Mike. Um, uh, first of all, we're not going to do ad reads. Okay, go get the gold stamp. Go get the 81 Vino. I'm not going to do a whole spiel because I don't have the little baby things and I don't have the bottle. I drank the bottle. Um, but go follow our sponsors, all that good stuff. Um, use code Hive. I think that's our code. Thank you, guys. Gold stamp, drink. Maybe put the gold stamp in the drink. See if you can parse it from whatever. Fantastic. Um, what is it? A, a Dollar Shave Club or 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 Manscape? Come get us, bro. We want you. But um. Thank you all for joining us. Mike, where can they find you? Yeah, if you guys are looking for me, my Twitter handle was right here, Mike Andrews 83 uh, Otherwise, you guys can find me at Nothing But Niners, man. That's it, Nothing But Nine, E-R-S on Twitter, uh, the Facebook page, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, all that stuff, man. Nothing But Niners, NBN, NB9, E-R-S. You, you search us, you'll find us on all your favorite platforms. We are there. Thank you guys for the support. I really, really appreciate everybody for jumping in tonight. The chat was on fire tonight, man. Great show, man. I had a blast doing it. Thank you guys for having me. Seriously. Absolutely. And by the way, guys, go harass Mike's Twitter and tell him, don't go to the season opener against the Seahawks, who are going to suck this year. Come to the Tampa Bay game. And then we can do a 49ers Hive and nothing but Niners meetup Saturday night at a bar of our choice. That would be so much better. So go harass him for that. I think that would be be fun. fun. (laughs) Uh, I definitely want to come on, on one of your shows. Um, I know, you know, we're, we're boys with Wayne and his shows and, and you guys, and it's going to be fantastic. And we love doing this as always. I want to thank you guys as always for joining us. And, you know, it's, it's always fun to have you guys out here until next time. I just want to say thank you for joining us. Uh, Go Niner.